Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, everybody. Good morning to you around New Zealand, and uh, welcome into our show for the next uh, three hours. Brought to you by Brent, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Of course, uh, wonderful people, 17 branches in the North Island for all your agricultural needs, particularly if you're in the market for one of those beautiful green machines uh, that is uh, John Deere, of course. So uh, that's uh, where we're coming from. And uh, we've got Jeff McTainch uh, very shortly. Uh, Jeff, of course, Sky Sport Rugby commentator. Look back over Chiefs and Crusaders in particular, but a full weekend of Super Rugby. I have a cricketing update for you just about 9.25. Open up the lines after 9.30. Love to hear uh, from uh, you people what you thought of uh, the Chiefs v the Crusaders. Um, what did you think of uh, McKenzie versus Moonga? Uh, what did you think of the loose forward battle there? And uh, what about other results over the weekend? And uh, did you go to the Warriors in the pouring rain? Absolutely torrential rain. Did you go? i uh, love to hear from you on that. So uh, a number of issues to talk through there. Uh, we've got uh, Dylan Boucher, pre-recorded interview done by uh, Logan Swinkles yesterday. Uh, with uh, Basketball New Zealand CEO, the Tall Blacks have been grouped with the USA, Greece, Jordan <laughs> for the FIBA World Cup. Love to uh, love to see a game against the USA. Uh, fantastic. Jamie Wall and James Regan in the panel uh, just after 10.20 this morning. Uh, Vossi will be in his uh, usual spot just after 11 o'clock to look, uh, look about the, the weekend that was in the NRL. And, uh, of course, we'll have a stump smithy around about 11.30 this morning. That is uh, up for $100. Uh, our text line is double eight double three double eight double three. Impressions of what you saw over the weekend. Um, some pretty good news in golf at this stage. Stephen Elka has a three-shot lead. Yes, a three-shot lead with about uh, three holes to go in the latest round of the Champions Tour and a chance to make a birdie here. Uh, as well on the 15th, I do believe. So we'll keep an eye on that for you, as well as IndyCar racing throughout the morning with our three champions over there in the IndyCar ranks. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon. Well, you've got to hand it to those Chiefs. The trophy, I mean, just hand it to them. Unbeaten, twice conquering the Crusaders. Sport is so dominated by stats these days, and its coverage is sometimes overwhelming, isn't it? But here's a couple of crucial ones. They existed and won with just 37% of possession. I mean, how do you do that against a so often champion team coached by the best in the world? And with 63% of the ball, how do you not win under the best coach in the world? Perhaps the opposition with a tackling rate of over 90% provides one of the clues. A packed out FMG and uh, what a sight that was going forward as the fortress uh, they need. They won't be losing anytime soon. It was a bounce back for rugby over the weekend as well, without doubt, because they put it out there and the call was answered. And let's not forget those Hurricanes defending the tin against Australia's perennial best. And if D-Mac and the Chiefs are cool as cucumbers this season, then Stephen Elk, bank manager, can expect him in the queue a little later today. He's going to win again. 
so called himself unruffled another 400,000 big ones in the pot. X Factor provides that little point of difference. DMAC has got so much at the moment, he could sell off the excess. The Warriors could have done with a smidgen yesterday, in fact. They went horrible against the Roosters. They just had nothing really special to offer in those trying conditions. Look, the flattest they've been in the season. Perhaps they prefer to be on top of the ground. Perhaps the level of depth being tested has reached its breaking point. No need to panic. The toys look safe in the cot for now, and no one's spitting any dummies just yet. Doesn't come across as a dummy spitter or a it as our Webby, actually. Although they, that might be tested if the MASH unit, yes, that horrible unit full of injuries, doesn't get cleaned out soon. This is where that dangerous on second or third face, McKenzie, spinning it up, and gets the ball away, Stevenson, Charlotte Stevenson scores! Crowd erupts, and who else could it be, who else would it be, Sean Stevenson for the Chiefs! Damien McKenzie sends it through, the Chiefs make it nine straight in 2023, they win it tonight. By 34 points to 24. Well, how about that action? How about that? We're two-thirds of the way through the Super Rugby Pacific regular season with round 10 coming to a close yesterday. Uh, joining us to recap and give us thoughts is uh, Sky Sports commentator Jeff McTainch, who had a whale of a time, it seems, uh, on Saturday. Uh, a good win to kick off round 10 for the Hurricanes, uh, Jeff. A, a win over the Brumbies, another promising performance by the halves, pairing of Roygaard and Morgan, scoring a try each. How are these two comparing to the rest of the competition despite their lack of experience? They seem to be doing a pretty good job. Yeah, outstanding, Smitty, and, and good morning. Um, and I just, just want to say at the very top, uh, in your intro, you said a bounce-back weekend for rugby. Well, certainly was. I mean, look, there's been a lot talked about this competition over the last few years, obviously since, since COVID and, and, and whatnot and, and the different iterations of it and its relevance and uh, the support behind it. But... Just standing there uh, before the game on uh, on Saturday, and Hamilton went downstairs and, and got a coffee, and just sort of stood there and soaked it in, and saw the people coming in, um, and you could feel it. You know, rugby is still well and truly alive in this country, and it just takes uh, a winning formula. Uh, the passion is still there. The crowds came in, and it just reminded me of, of growing up in the '90s and going to a full house at Carisbrook on on, on a Saturday. Mm. So certainly there, it's alive, and it's good to see. But now, as you're right. Um, Plenty of players across the weekend um, to certainly talk about in terms of that All Blacks frame. And, and we could start with the Hurricanes, if you like. I mean, that was um, a big win for them over the best out of Australia and the Brumbies. 17-14 um, at halftime. Um, a real arm wrestle of a first half. But uh, I just think they, they controlled it so well in the end to, to get the win. Geordie Barrett, um, I thought, was... Uh, was uh, was crucial with 12 points off the boot. Roy Gard, again, scoring for the third game in a row. Well balanced. I mean, a lot's talked about their attack with uh, with Josh Morby and, and Celeste Rousey and, and, and co, but uh, I just thought the way um, you know, Roy Gard helped uh, mad the game, and, and you look at the likes of, of some of their forwards, Devin Flanders, I think continues to step up, continues to to really add um, an element uh, in, the, in the back row for them alongside Artie Savia. So, Jason Holland, he's, he's got everything there. He's got he's got the right mix. He's got everything he needs 
uh, to make a real run. And, and, and I suppose in some ways, you know, when you're heading into the back half of a season, a lot of focus on the Chiefs, a lot of focus on the Crusaders uh, and indeed the Blues out of the, uh, the New Zealand crop. But I think for the Hurricanes, um, a, a very big step in the right direction, the way they managed to, uh, to close that one out um, uh, against a very good Brumby side. Yeah, um, they were good. Uh, I think they could do with a couple of locks back. Um, apart from that, though, I think yeah. the Hurricanes look uh, look nicely placed at the moment. Not quite to be uh, again for the Highlanders. Um, pretty brave against the, the the Waratahs, just going down by one as uh, the second game on Friday night. Yeah, 0-2 on the Tour of Australia. Clark Dermody said uh, afterwards that um, control is what they lacked, and and they really did. I mean, they led 2014, uh, a one-man advantage at the start of the final quarter going in. Um, but they just look a bit lost, uh, some of their direction um, around the park. Again, we get back to that term game management. I just think uh, they're lacking a little bit of that uh, at the moment. Um, obviously, they've got the Chiefs next week, so it's not going to get any easier for them. But, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against uh, the Highlanders trying something a little bit different as well. I mean, you, you look at... Uh, Sam Gilbert, I mean, he played in the midfield um, against the Waratahs on Friday night, Mitch Hunt at 10, but I wouldn't actually mind seeing uh, Gilbert maybe move into that first receiver role and playing playing 10. I mean, he doesn't really have anything to lose now, uh, Clark Dermody, at the back half of the season with the Highlanders, so um, yeah, it's probably a, probably a chance to try a few things, and indeed against the Chiefs, um, you know, that's, it's going to be a tough ask down in Dunedin, though, so... Look, they have hopefully a, a good crowd in there. I mean, the Chiefs will certainly attract uh, a plenty of punters along that, the way they're playing, and, and uh, the Highlanders will be plucky too in front of their home crowd. They've certainly got a pack that uh, that can do it on their day. I mean, you look up front, the group, uh, Ainsley, a former Wallaby as well, Fabian Island. We know uh, how good he is with a young Will Tucker too. In the back row, you've got an all-black in there, and, and uh, Shannon Frizzell, Hugh Renton playing some good footy, and, and Aaron Smith is, is also having a good season in a, uh, a team that is struggling. On the on the uh, on the night on Friday, just couldn't really those errors didn't allow the Highlanders to get their bench involved in the game. And you bring a guy like Salah Fakatava on to try and inject something, Mikali Tuu and 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 the like, um, Jonanareki, among attempts. And there's guys there that can really add impact. But if you're getting the basics wrong on the field, wrong part of the field, and unable to control the game, your bench can have uh, very little impact on it. Jeff, there was a potential uh, banana skin for the Blues in Lautoka, but they did what you have to do. They, you, you get your nose in front because chasing the Drew is pretty hard over there. They got in it and pretty much controlled it from that point onwards. So, and it was, they took a bit of a punt. It wasn't the most experienced blue side, but Zan Sullivan, Harry Plummer looked pretty good. Yeah, they did. I mean, Plummer was, I thought he was very good. Uh, he, he was a real handful on defence, drew a lot of attention uh, outside of, uh, outside of Bowden Barrett. Um, and, and he, like Barrett, kicked a couple of crucial penalties. And I think that was testament, you had to say, to the Drewers' defence at times. You know, they really made the Blues consider where they were on the park and, and, and taking those points. Um, Zan Sullivan, yeah, I thought he was was uh, was excellent. Bright at 15, injected himself into the game well. Uh, looked for work. Thought uh, Papa Lee had a great return. Derry, uh, Sam Derry and Cam Swore four. Thought they put in some big shifts as well. And, you know, anyone you talk to, uh, as you know, playing over... In, uh, in Fiji is, uh, is, is tough. Uh, the best time talking to Angus Tovell about it the other day, and he said it's probably one of the hardest games he's played in a Chief shirt over there, just, mm. just sucking in the big ones with the humidity. So, now, Liam McDonald will be impressed with that. He'll be, he'll be happy to, to have kicked on. 
um, and they needed a they needed a contest like that uh, at this stage of the season. But um, as you say, when you've got um, a guy like Plummer playing that well, it takes a little bit of pressure too off Bowden Barrett, who's got a lot of spotlight on it, on him at the moment um, at this stage of the season. So you know, it was uh, it was an encouraging performance. Well, as you say, you, you got to uh, absorb the atmosphere on uh, Friday night, uh, Saturday night, and it was billed as uh, the match of the round. It, it uh, didn't disappoint. First of all, um, as you say, the atmosphere was great. Crowd size looked uh, magnificent, but it wasn't a greatest start from the Chiefs, so it has to test their resolve a wee bit. Yeah, Crusaders made a good start getting the early try and, uh, and putting them under pressure, but I, I, I just think when you, when you look at the statistics of that game, I mean, they made 176 tackles to 79. They missed just 18, the Chiefs. Um, and, and all of the stats, certainly in that first stanza, I think they had 60-odd percent uh, possession of the ball, the Crusaders, the territory. Um, and, you know, to, 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 to be right in the arm wrestle and then to turn the screws, you don't often see the Crusaders have a one-man advantage, do you, Smithy, and, and uh, be in that part of the game, in that position to win the game and, and, and not win it. I mean, what we saw is Luke Jacobson, Jacobson went off and that actually galvanised the Chiefs. I mean, the Crusaders got the penalty try, they scored again, they took the advantage in, but it was uh, it, it did the opposite for the Chiefs. And, I mean, they were led absolutely superbly by Damien McKenzie. He was phenomenal. Um, I thought, you know, the way, not just the way he controlled the game, obviously he kicked well off the tee, took the ball to the line. Um, just his vision and his balance and his poise, defensively too, he was outstanding. I mean, the guy's 75, 80kg tripping wet and, you know, he's putting in some great spot tackles and, and I just thought he was absolutely brilliant and you know you know you, Scott Robinson looking on obviously he's uh, he's got a job to do with the Crusaders but I just would have loved to have been uh, inside the mind of that man looking on in that game uh, on uh, on Saturday night because I'm sure that the clock the, you know the, the, the cogs would have been turning as to as to um, what he might do with his with his number tens uh, and, and his muck petting forwards uh, as an All Blacks coach next year but um, defence was superb you know it's it's as they said after the game uh, Damien McKenzie and Sam Kane and that, that's what wins championships and I just think that was. Uh, it was it was unusual for the Crusaders. They were pressured, and in the in the past we've seen in those situations they closed the game out. I thought some interesting decisions at the end to put up some contestable kicks, uh, maybe where perhaps they should have uh, played the territory game. So, um, you know, as a Crusaders fan, you could feel a little bit aggrieved. I mean, Dominic Gardner, I don't think he lost that ball forward on first look, uh, but uh, you know, those, those are the you know those are the breaks in the game. But certainly from a from a uh, an atmosphere point of view um, and it was it was just outstanding and it was it was a shot in the arm that the game needed um, at, at the right time Jeff uh, one of the most vilified players in the country um, is uh, Sam Kane from outside Chiefs region of course um, Sam Kane's form oh mate he's been he's been big he's been a power since he's, he's come back from his injuries obviously had concussion um, and, and set out the game last week against the Drua he came back and look he I just think he's he, he's at ease with himself and at, at peace with with where he's at at playing. And you're seeing that, you know, he's um, his body's back in good condition. Uh, he's fit and um, he, he's playing with a clear head. He doesn't look, does he, like a man who has the weight on his shoulders? Um, indeed, as, as an All Blacks captain and and uh, a leader uh, for the Chiefs, you know, he's uh, he's a guy just doing his work. And I think it also helps when you've got. Um, when you've got guys around them um, that are playing good footy too, and Sammy Finney's been out, Luke Jacobson, 
and Brady Retallick um, in, in the middle row. So um, he's a guy who is looking very, very comfortable, but also it's easy to do that when you're playing in a team that's playing so well. Rightio. Um, let's look at uh, the other end of uh, the table before we let you go, uh, Jeff, if we could, please. And that is um, uh, Moana Pacifica. You know, it looks uh, pretty good on paper, but they were never going to beat the Rebels, 43-33. Uh, I just wonder, this could be the second year in a row with um, with the wooden spoon as such. Uh, the future um, for Moana Pacifica for you? Yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean, they they've had uh, you know they've had their run of injuries, um, and also it's 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 difficult to get a club going um, for for Moana Pacifica and and uh, and the team there at Mount Smart. You know, they came up against a a good rebel side, but. I just think they've got the they've got the talent. There's no no doubt about it. I mean, you look at the back line and you got a guy who's, you know played how many tests has Tristan Lelilafano played and and uh, Levi Moore. We know how good he is. Tava Tava Nawai, Nerioformai, and 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 the like, and Willie Harvilli. And and then you look at the the international experience in their forward pack too. So they've got all the ingredients there. I I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, is it a change of coach? Do they need to to shake things up there and? And look at changing that up for next season, maybe. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen what a change of coach can do, and I I don't want to use the other code, but you look at the way the Warriors are playing in the NRL at the moment, and uh, and just a just a slightly different attitude to, to to direction and the way to to I guess bring a team together and the way Andrew Ribs is doing things um, has been working. So yeah, I, I think as I say, they've got the crop there, they've got the talent. I'm sure they'll make some adjustments next season personnel wise, but. Um, yeah, maybe it is a, a direction from a leadership perspective they need to look at. I don't see the winner of this competition coming out of Australia, do you, at all? Well, if it's going to be out of Australia, mate, I think uh, you know the Brumbies are the contender. But from what we've seen uh, this season, and indeed uh, against the, the Hurricanes um, in, in the last round, and you know, obviously they played the Crusaders earlier. Season uh, and uh, and the Blues, um, you know they've been close, they've been near, they've fired their shots, but I just don't think um, they'll have enough uh, to get around. You know the likes of the Chiefs, the like the likes of the Crusaders, and, and indeed if the Blues or the Hurricanes can make a run at the end, uh, I just don't quite see them um, having the um, having enough to get past those teams. Jeff McTaint, uh, fantastic call the other night. Uh, really enjoyed the atmosphere you were able to portray. Uh, and thanks for your time this morning. Um, you know, I loved your insight and your summary of the weekend's action. As you say, it was a really good weekend for rugby. They needed it. They got it. Yeah, thanks, Smithy. I mean, you've, you've obviously pulled on how many test matches you've been to, but we talked about it in the in the game uh, the other night, the, the fact that it did feel like that. And, you know, again, results aside, and, and um, the, despite the fact it was a fantastic game of footy, I think what we all took away from FMG Stadium was it was a... Uh, a wonderful and a, and a much needed result for rugby. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, uh, well done. Thank you very much uh, for your time this morning. Much appreciated, man. Have a great great week. Yes, Thanks, mate. Yeah, Jeff uh, McTainch there. Uh, outstanding call over the, uh, the weekend. Uh, you, you live to, as a commentator, you live for those big ones, you know, those big ones, and uh, you hope you get it right. It was uh, it was exciting. It certainly was at times, and uh, you heard that description of that try, that uh, breakaway try, which was a I think a big, big moment of the match because that hurt the Crusaders big time, I thought. Um, really good. It's excellent. 9.22 here on SCNZ. Jameson, he's bowled it! Smithy's Cricket Update. Thanks to Razine.
New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Well, it's a high-scoring series between New Zealand and Pakistan. Of course, uh, Pakistan now lead 2-0 um, in the five-match series. The next one coming up on Wednesday, our time. But uh, when you score 336 for five, you're entitled to think you're a pretty good chance. Uh, Pakistan running it down with seven wickets to spare and eight balls to spare. That was an outstanding run chase. But uh, New Zealand are playing some relatively good cricket over there. And one of the reasons why is because Daryl Mitchell has fired up big time. Uh, this is Tom Latham, uh, the skipper, who also played well, actually, uh, the other night. Uh, Tom Latham uh, commenting on Daryl Mitchell in at the number three spot. Talk to me about Daryl Mitchell. He's been playing at first drop for the first time in his career. Two innings, two hundreds, and especially in a World Cup year where Kane Williamson is most likely set to miss out on the World Cup, fingers crossed over there. Do you think that Daryl has proven his or staked his claim with respect to batting at that position for New Zealand in that World Cup? Yeah, look, he's been fantastic the last two games. I think um, you know he's played many different roles, uh, you know, throughout the side, and I think that's the that's the beauty about Darrow. He's you know he's willing to, to do whatever uh, you know role is uh, required of him. Uh, we've obviously seen in T Twenty cricket, he's opened the innings as well. So, I guess from from his point of view, he's uh, you know he's played fantastically well, um, you know, at that number three position, and and I guess with uh, you know the the situation we're in with Kane potentially not being available, uh, I guess it's about trying to. I guess find find what might work for this team. Um, you know we've got you know three games left uh, before um, the World Cup squad will be announced. So um, I guess for us it's trying to I guess cover all bases and see what might work. And I guess the way Daryl, not necessarily just the runs, but I think the way he's gone about things uh, over the last couple of games has been fantastic. And I guess fingers crossed from our point of view he can keep going the last couple of games. Uh, yeah, he's solid. He really is solid. Uh, he's dependable, as Tom Latham said, really. Uh, he summed it up. Give him a job anywhere in the team uh, with a bat, and he'll do it for you. Um, but what is uh, Daryl Mitchell thinking uh, of things uh, at the moment? Can you talk to us a little bit about how you've gone about batting in these conditions? Um, obviously, very different to home, and you played the T20 series, and you've been able to come in here and adapt your game really well in the ODIs. What's, how have you sort of uh, gone about that? Yeah, I guess yeah, the wickets are a lot different than what we are used to back home, but had the chance, I guess, to learn from a, a previous tour here a few months ago and, and work out a game plan of, of how I wanted to go about batting in Pakistan on these surfaces. And so far, I guess in the one days, it's, it's gone to plan, but at the same time, I know that still three more games to go and it's important to keep showing up, being as present as you can and um, yeah, not looking too far ahead. Well, just what is the challenge and experience like playing Pakistan here? We've seen big crowds, they've got all their stars as well and it must be, um, yeah, I guess quite the uh, experience for the players. Yeah, I think this is a really exciting tour for New Zealand cricket. Uh, we've uh, blooded some younger players who haven't played a lot of international cricket, which I think is really important for the future of the game. And at the same time, I guess we're getting experience uh, subcontinent cricket, which is obviously a bit warmer than what it is back home in New Zealand at the moment, and, and different surfaces, which uh, yeah helps you improve your game so that you can adapt to whatever situation you might be in. Yeah, I think he's a big chance to be at three. I really do. Um, I mean, you, you just got to say he can bat for, he can bat forty-five to fifty overs if need be. He can sum up a situation. You could hear about his game plan, um, and um, he's done well in India before in those conditions. So I, I like him. I, I like him in that in that role at three. Steady. Um, what do we say? Steady the ship. Um, steady the ship, Kane. Well, um, Mitchell steadying the ship at the moment. He just needs that. Uh, that support, that explosive support around him, 
Uh, and uh, we'll win a fair share. You get 300 in World Cups. If you win 300 uh, bat first and get 300 in World Cups, with the added pressure of being a World Cup, uh, quite often you will win. That's what we need to look to get out of our number three. Uh, he's delivering. It's 9.31 here on SNZ. Let's pop across to the newsroom and hear from Aroha. Talkback time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150 811. Love to hear from you. Uh, yes, the number 0800-150-811. What were your impressions of uh, the Chiefs and the Crusaders? That was the big game of the weekend. But uh, did you go to uh, Sky Stadium? It wasn't as big a crowd as I was hoping for against the Brumbies, but it was still okay, I would imagine. But uh, what do you make of the Hurricanes? I mean, they were outstanding. Who won the battle between McKenzie and Moonga? Who would you have at 10 in the World Cup? I mean, we know uh, Ian Foster has uh, great regard for uh, Damien McKenzie, but has his form been that good? He's gazumping the other candidates and moving in. So there's that. You saw the Warriors uh, yesterday. What did you make of uh, the Warriors? Perhaps I, I would have thought the least ins- one of the least inspiring, particularly with ball in hand. Their defence, of course, is, uh, is outstanding and um, you know, only 14-0, it wasn't bad. It would have been 45-0 last year. We all know that. Uh, so the defensive side of things has been outstanding. But I just wonder, um, if uh, was it the conditions? Were they just not good in, uh, in the goo as opposed to being on top of the ground? It was pretty average, uh, wasn't it, to be playing in. But uh, the Roosters seem to adapt to it just a little bit better, I think it's fair to say. Uh, in terms of the golf as well, uh, Stephen Elka has a three-shot lead. He's got a birdie putt on 17, and then he's got the 18th with a bit of water con- to contend with, but looks uh, good for all money. Man, he has handled pressure this morning so well and uh, played so coolly and so calmly. Love to know what the recipe is there. So uh, Stephen Elka um, going really, really well at the moment. Right, uh, let's have a look at some of the texts that have come in as well, but uh, please uh, call if you want to. Um, Smithy, how about addressing the abysmal refereeing performance in the Chiefs-Crusaders game? Or are you just too biased like your colleagues? Come on, Smithy, have some balls. Well, abysmal, was it abysmal? Was Angus Gardner abysmal? Was it the refereeing performance that cost the Crusaders the victory? Was it really? Uh, I didn't hear too much noise coming out of the Crusaders camp, still haven't complaining uh, how they were hard done by. Yes, the, the Gardner try uh, looked a little bit dubious. And, and from that point of view, you've got to say, uh, what are they looking at that we are not looking at? What are they privy to information or pr- privy to vision that w- we don't see? Um, in my days at Sky, none. Uh, they got the same as you got at home, as far as I was concerned. So when, when they see it, how can it be so, so far apart, the views on the same piece of action? has always been a little bit puzzling. Uh, so uh, and again simple answer same texture actually how come the Crusaders couldn't win take a look at the officiating right um, and Mark's countered that uh, a little bit well quite strongly actually uh, biggest point of the weekend Crusaders supporters are the sookiest bunch of losers ever and DMAC outshone Moonga and deserves the all black jersey Moonga is leaving anyway well that's fact of the matter he is leaving um, unless unless of course Mark that uh, Scott Robertson gets his way and we can free up those players uh, playing overseas uh, to wear an all-black jersey for the first time ever, incidentally. Uh, Ian Foster's counter that that was uh, uh, one of the worst things that would ever happen to rugby in this country. So they're not really on the same wavelength, those two, are they? 
Um, more on the Saders on the Saders fans whinging about the ref, whinging about the commentators. Uh, how about whinge about the players not performing on the field instead of asking how many other titles other teams um, have in Facebook comment sections? Right, uh, there you go. Uh, we can also look at um, Damien McKenzie has resigned, uh, resigned for two years. Resigned and resigned, isn't that a quirk of English language? Uh, great result. Clearly, the future ten for Razor and the All Blacks. Also, a major smoky for the All Blacks for me this year is Dallas Dallas McLeod. He's been good this year. D Mac outplayed Richie Moanga all over the park, says Rory. Um, D Mac is a shoo in for the All Blacks, especially because he can play wing, fullback, first five. Are we uh, being told the full story with Will Jordan? Or are they just uh, being very careful with him? Fully fit is the incumbent All Black, isn't he? He's the incumbent All Black. And uh, Sean Johnson is a close second. Uh, sorry, Sean Stevenson. Got uh, the wrong calls here. Right, uh, incidentally, Stephen Elka just birdied uh, that hole. He now has a four-shot lead going down the last. <laughs> He's done it again. He's amazing. Right, let's get to Brent. Uh, g'day, Brent. How are you this morning? Good, Smithy. You? Yeah, very I'm fine. Very you. fine. Love the... Yeah, very fine. I love the uh, sporting action over the weekend. Well, I'm a Crusader fan, all right? I live yep. in Brisbane, but I'm a Crusader fan. I watched the match. Whew, it's got to be one of the best matches I've seen in a couple of years, I reckon. Um, I even got up, I went to bed after, not long after the game, I got up at midnight and watched it again. <laughs> yeah. That's how good it was. Really? I tell you what, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, blaming, the, I'm, I'm not blaming the refs, all right? Any team, you know that. I mean, Crusaders were good. They was they were down what nineteen seven, and they came back and took the lead. And you know, near the last ten minutes, and you'd think with the weight of possession and territory, and you know, even the team they had was one of their best teams they've had. You think they would have gone on with it? But my goodness, this Chiefs team for this year. I mean, the one they had won eight in a row up until that game there, and you would have thought they would have folded after. I mean, I thought they, I thought they would have folded in the last ten minutes, just purely on the amount of tackle, tackles they made. But I can't believe that they scored two tries in the last ten minutes and just came home. Oh, they were unbelievable. I, I thought, um, I actually thought Richie Mwanga and Dimac had pretty ordinary first halves. They were both under pressure, and they were Dimac had a couple of kicks charged down and. Richie Mwanga, he has a, I mean, I love Richie Mwanga, but he has a tendency to put the ball up too high instead of going deep, you know, and it's led to a couple of tries I've, you know, I've seen recently. He's got a, I don't know why we want to get the ball back all the time. Sometimes I think you need to kick it down, down. down. Um, I think it was the quietest I've ever seen Samson only, you know, took He Normally he dominates in the game. He, he had a couple of runs and he was, he was just busy tackling. I think they, did that intentionally, and um, I thought in the last ten minutes, D Mac and Sean Stevenson they showed their class. I mean, a gaping hole that um, I think it's Savali left for um, D Mac to go waltzing through, but in the end, it was unbelievable. And I, I tell you what, the final nail in the coffin—you know what it was? The scrum, that? the last scrum, the last scrum. Uh, I, w- I wish we had Joe Meadie and Tamati Williams on there, and then that last scrum when the, you don't see the Crusaders buckle up and then. Try and hold it, and then bang, they get pushed back and scrum penalty. It's normally the other way around. And I tell you what, that was Tomati Williams' best game I've seen him play for the Crusaders. And um, all I can say is one thing to the Chiefs supporters: it's round, it was only round ten. You know what's going to happen in the final? It's going to be Crusaders and the Chiefs, and you know what happens in the finals. Who I'll say, but you're looking pretty good. 
Good on you, Brent. Uh, I appreciate your thoughts uh, from across there and uh, all the very best. Yeah, uh, There is that uh, air of expectancy about it. There's no, no doubt about it. Uh, next on the line, we have Scott from Wellington. Scott, uh, good morning to you, mate. Hurricane's good. Good morning, Smithy. How you going, Smithy? Really, really good, yeah. Very good. Uh, your canes, your canes, they're the sneakies for me. They're the smokies in the comp. I'm not a rugby person, Smithy. <laughs> um, I was going to call up to talk about the Warriors with you. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Yeah, no. Um, unfortunately, I think, you know, defence was good. Um, attack just a bit flat, unfortunately. Just, I don't think either team actually played too well, to be honest. I mean, the conditions obviously were, as you said, atrocious and, and didn't help. Um, but, I mean, I think the Roosters were just slightly better at the end of the day. I mean, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, the attack, just as I say, it just seemed really flat. Um, but, you know, I, I think after, what are we sitting at, nine, nine rounds, um, sitting mm. in the top eight, I mean, pretty happy with that, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go down the path of the referees, um, to, to be honest, because I don't want to use that as an excuse. But... A couple of those decisions again. I mean, there was the one with uh, Tedesco when he, he clearly knocked the ball on with no one around him um, when it slipped out of his hands and the ref said it, it went onto his, I think it went onto his foot, he was saying, but uh, it wasn't even close. It was a clear knock on and then the shoulder charge as well. Um, and I can't remember who that was on now, but, um, you know, no no arms whatsoever, but just the shoulder straight in and, and Warriors didn't get anything for it and next play the rest of the scored. Um, mm. you know, so it's, and it's not just against the Warriors. I mean, across the whole competition, the, the, the officials have actually been pretty poor in, in that. But um, one, one good thing I will say is um, even though it killed uh, all my multis and, and my uh, tipping was uh, to see the Tigers get up and I don't think anyone would have picked that over the weekend. I think you're absolutely right. I think they're the TAB's best friends this morning, Scott. Absolutely. Uh, they, were, they were a shot tie, weren't they, Penrith? Uh, they, they were absolutely at Bathurst. They certainly were, uh, and got done. Absolutely done there. Uh, hey, cheers, uh, cheers, Scott. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about the depth in the Warriors, but <clears throat> I'm going to put it down to the conditions. And you're allowed a flat, uh, a little bit of a flat one on attack every now and then, and that was, uh, I think, one of theirs. Uh, Kevin, get a Kev, good good morning to you, Kevin from Tatarangi, who uh, texts and uh, texts in all the time with some great stuff. Kev, good morning. Morning, Smithy. How are you, buddy? <coughs> yeah, very good, man. Yeah. Just on the Black Caps, I was really impressed with their batting. They, they batted well, and um, the guy that I really like, Young, he got 85 the other day. He's better, you know, got out for 19 this time, but just persevere with him. Keep him there. And you've got the guy, Bowes. Yeah, yeah, Jerry's out. He gets his footwork going. He, he could come into the picture. But, you know, the guy that you spoke about this morning, Mitchell, he, he's technically correct, but he can also attack. So you've got a great number three there. Then you've got the steadier and um, Latham coming in and then bring the, hit, the pinch at Nisham and then you've got a pretty good batting line up there, Smithy. I, I think you're right, Kevin, and you can, we, you know, looking forward, we're certainly going to add Conway into that mix, aren't we? Um, and then, well, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. read, and, and Phillips, so I would think Phillips has got to be around because he's he can be devastating Phillips. Uh, that is the key there. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward, actually. I'm, I'm depressed, a little depressed about Kane because I know his quality, but I'm not throwing all hope out the window at this point. No, don't forget these guys. <clears throat> a, lot, a few of these guys that sort of um, have been thrown in there and other players probably would have taken their place 
if they were available, but they're, they're doing the job. And, and they're facing a very, very good Pakistani attack. That's a good bowling mm. attack. Um, it is a good, yeah. I was a, a bit disappointed with our attack. bowling attack, Smithy. I thought we bowled too short. Um, the spinners didn't bowl well, and I thought our fielding was a little bit lethargic at times when the ball beat them to the boundary when, oh, I don't know, somebody a bit quicker would have stopped it. Just my well, there's Phillips again. That's Phillips again in the outfield. Oh, I think he's going to save you 10 to 15 runs every innings. Um, Glenn Phillips with his speed to the ball and his, um, just his uh, electricity in the park, I think uh, he's he's a bit of a given there as well. So I've got to have him. Kevin, I, I appreciate your call, mate. I have got to have him in my top six for the World Cup. I, I, I see why Henry Nichols is there at the moment, but um, he's just really there because there's no one else, although... You could have taken a punt on some of these other guys, maybe Clarkson, um, <clears throat> Tom Bruce. They've shown some form at domestic level. I, I, I'd, I'd have done that. I mean, find things out about guys on the, on the highest stage. We know what Henry Nichols is going to bring to you. Um, but I, I just thought that was a bit of a dud selection in that re- respect. And I'm not Henry, Nichols, Henry Nichols bashing all the time. I just think, look at it. Just look at the, the common sense factor in it. Um, and uh, you'd have to say... You'd have to say, wouldn't you, that, um, you know, wouldn't you have rather found something out about someone else? It's 9.46 here on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Radio today's multi weekends with crap, actually. Absolutely got thumped by three of the four. Uh, so tomorrow morning we'll go Leicester and Everton to draw an EPL match at $3.40. Uh, this afternoon the Astros to beat the Phillies, the Houston Astros, about time they got uh, the kick as well, $1.64. Uh, and some IPL action overnight, Mike Hessen's uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore to beat the Lucknow Super Giants at $1.78. So that'll multi up at a very, very handsome $9.92. We'll be back shortly. Today, the picture of speed and consistency. New Zealand motorsport fans will celebrate because their man here is bringing it home. Scott McLaughlin wins at Baba Motorsports Park and makes it four different winners. That is uh, unbelievable performance by uh, Scott McLaughlin. What great news that is um, for us, uh, Logan. It's um, it's very interesting, actually, that... Um, is able to pull that out, uh, Scott McLaughlin. Brilliant stuff. And and and, I, and the other side of America, Stephen Elko winning at the same time. What a great morning. It's like maybe a pitching wedge or something. Just get it on the ground, back in your stance, get it running. Why not? Go in. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, Lammy. He got what we were talking about. <laughs> he's going to shoot a 66. He's going to shoot 31 on the incoming nine for the second year in a row. And he's going to beat Steve Stricker by four for the second year. Deja vu all over again. What a deal. A final round, 66. Bogey free. Steven Alker has gone back to back here at the Woodlands and has won the Insperity Invitational. And you know, this one's for Sam. Yeah, this one is for Sam. Sam Workman Smithy, Stephen Alka's uh, caddy that passed away earlier in the year. Four-shot victory there for Alka. Great morning for him. 
Yeah, and a massive contingent of people wearing Astro shirts, orange Astro shirts, uh, probably 30 or 40, uh, with some uh, sort of connection back there. He had his son on the bag uh, this morning, Stephen Elker, and uh, it was very emotional for them, but it was noticeable that he uh, tapped the heart and then pointed to the heavens, and uh, that was obviously for his caddy who passed away. Uh, not too far before he came out and played in the New Zealand uh, Open, actually, to be fair. Uh, so, yeah, very poignant that he was able to go back-to-back there. Another $400,000 he wins for that for first place. He moves up to third now on the Charles Schwab uh, list as well in terms of money earned. So, and, of course, that was the one that he won last year. Stephen Elko having a hell of a time of it again, it seems, on the Champions Tour. Right, uh, we'll get to, to basketball after the break. Uh, Logan Swinkle's uh, very busy uh, and able to get an interview with Dylan Boucher, Basketball New Zealand CEO, on the grouping that uh, the Tall Blacks have, including the USA. What a dream that would be for some of these guys. What a dream. Absolutely fantastic. We'll be back shortly with that interview. We now know who the Tall Blacks will be facing at the FIBA World Cup come August, and it's probably got a few basketball fans back home excited as the prospect of New Zealand's best taking on the world. Along with the Tall Blacks, Group C will feature Jordan, Greece, and the USA. Joining me now on ECNZ from Manila, where they held the World Cup draw, is Basketball New Zealand's CEO, Dylan Boucher, legendary Tall Black himself. Thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, good to chat. Good to chat, Logan. Uh, first of all, what's the weekend been like for you? Being able to, you know, have you been able to rub shoulders uh, with the rest of the basketball world? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's fantastic. I mean, obviously, um, these events are awesome just to be able to connect with um, the different federations around the world, but also connect with some of the some of the guys that I played against through my playing career, and um, you know, being able to share stories and, and talk about it. And you know, I was I was on an interview before, and um, they said, you know, how often does two thousand two get brought up? And I said, at these events. All the time because that was New Zealand's obviously best placing, but that's kind of when New Zealand got put on the map, I guess, from a basketball perspective in the world. And people still talk about that that team and those battles that we went into uh, in that World Cup in Indianapolis. Who I mean, I know that Louis Scola was there, Dirk Nowitzki was there at the draw. Who are some of the big names that you've been able to chat with while you're over there? Yeah, obviously. Um, so I caught the bus um, home from dinner the other night with Dirk and had a good chat with him. And I caught up with him when he was uh, back in New Zealand here um, a few months back. And um, after breakfast yesterday, I sat down and had a good chat with Yao Ming and, um, you know, talked about um, trying to basketball and, and New Zealand basketball and how we can work together and um, been working closely with the Australians and Jason Smith, an ex-player um, from Australian Boomers. Um, I mean, he's running their um, national programs now and Again, trying to work with them on and be, be, being able to resurrect those um, those prime time days, I guess, of New Zealand versus Australia, kind of that Blitters like Cup kind of feel. Mm. Um, and then um, Jorge Gabiosa from Spain is now the president of Spain. So these are all guys that um, used to be former players and, um, and and guys that I played against. So being able to reconnect with them is great and being able to, I guess, start building those relationships for basketball New Zealand as well. Yeah, it'll be cool to see uh, Tall Blacks v Boomers uh, a lot more. I mean, we always love that Trans-Tasman rivalry, don't we? But when uh, when New Zealand was called out in the draw, the live stream cut to you for a reaction. Uh, he just gave like that classic Kiwi nod. What was what was actually going through your mind in that moment? It was interesting. So obviously, um, you know, this place in Manila is crazy for basketball. And we was I was kind of in my mind going, how cool would it be to be playing games? And in this arena we're sitting in right here, you know, 15,000, 20,000 seater arena, you know, where, um, you know, where 
Muhammad Ali um, had the fa- famous Rumble in the jum- Jungle, I think it was, or um, no, Thriller in Manila, sorry. Um, and then, you know, I was kind of going, this would be really cool to play in. And although we didn't get drawn in that arena, we obviously got drawn with uh, USA. And that nod was uh, like, yep, it's going to be tough. But I'll tell you what, the old Kiwi mentality of roll the sleeves up and just get amongst it. That'll be exactly what we're trying to do. We're going to go there to upset some big, big names. And, mm. uh, you know, how good would it be if we could knock a big, big team like USA or Greece out of the World Cup? It would just be incredible. <laughs> they'll stop talking about 2002. They'll be uh, 2023. <laughs> will be all over it. Because uh, those games have been played at the Mall of Asia Arena. Have you been there before? Do you know what the sort of facilities are like? Um, I've, I haven't been there and the plan is this afternoon to go there um, and then look at the hotel and the venue so I'll be looking forward to that but um, from my understanding and, and caught up with Tad Baldwin yesterday who's over here coaching and he talked a lot about the stadiums here and how great they are and, and he certainly talked about the Mall of Asia being one of the good stadiums so we're excited to you know anytime you can play in front of you know 15 20,000 people at a, at a venue is going to be amazing. Uh, you say, of course, Greece included. Uh, World Cup takes place during that NBA offseason. Uh, would you be expecting USA to bring like their highest caliber team possible? I think there's no doubt they will. I mean, I think they've learned their lesson in the past when they haven't sent full strength teams to these events, and you know they've ended up coming, you know, um, not winning the events. So I think, I think 100%. I, I feel like the. The World Cup now has become the event for these players. And I think, you know, the LeBrons and the KDs, those guys and the Kobe's that have played in it, those guys have set the standard of what the expectation is for USA. So I think, in, you know, subject to health, um, which a lot of it comes down to that for every team, mm-hmm. um, subject to health, these the, the best USA team I'm expecting to be on that floor. And taking on, you know, like a team full of NBA stars is probably pretty daunting uh, for some, but how would the Tall Blacks look to approach that challenge? What would New Zealand look to gain from that experience? Oh, I think, you know, I think when the players would have seen the um, draw last night, I think they'll be rubbing their hands together to play against the world's best. I mean, this is the pinnacle. This is why you play basketball. You want to play against the world's best and and see how you go. You know, for me, it was always when I was a player, it was always going up against the best. It was the challenges you loved. You've got nothing to lose. These guys are the best players in the world and you, you test yourself against them. And I think that's what every player will go into this game, um, wanting to test themselves against the world's best and wanting to guard the best in the world. So... From a player's perspective, they'll be excited to be able to play them. For Piero's perspective, he's obviously got to start being really creative with his assistant coaches now, thinking about a game plan and how do you beat this team and how do you really disrupt what they're doing. And that's something that the coaches in the past have been very good at, you know, coming up with game plans that have been disruptive. And, you know, we nearly knocked over um, uh, Greece last year in the, in the World Cup and came within five points, I think it was. So there's, these things are all possible. It's just about coming out with a game plan and then the, the players – you know, executing the game plan to perfection and, and someone will normally step up in those games and have a big offensive game and you hope that will carry the team through to be able to you know have success and we've got to we've got to knock one of those two um out of um going through to the top 16 to be able to get there so it's a big ask but mm. certainly the, the boys will be ready and primed for it uh speaking of Piero Piero Cameron the uh, Tall Blacks head coach have you had a chance to you know speak with him since the draw was confirmed I sent him a couple of messages um, when, when we when we straight in the pool, and I went and he and he sent back a couple of messages. But I haven't had a chance to connect on the phone yet, and I'll be going straight into workshops as soon as I'm off this call this morning. So I'll probably connect with him later today. But yeah, I'm, I'd say he's excited, but also probably you know, but disappointed that we've ended up in the pool of death. Sometimes, you know, when you come into these World Cups, you just never know what pool you're going to end up in, and we've certainly ended up in a really tough pool. Well, like I said, I mean, all eyes are going to be on the Tall Blacks, which I I think that's. That's really exciting. But, you know, it's not just USA and Greece. You've got Jordan 
as well. You know, you played them back in August uh, and New Zealand won by 28 points then. Then in November, uh, they answered back winning 92-75 on their home court. They might be a familiar foe to you, but are they a little unpredictable? Yeah, I mean, they, um, again, we've seen totally different teams on the floor for Jordan. Um, the, when we beat them convincingly here, um, they didn't have a full-strength team. And their, I think their league or a couple of their players were playing in leagues around the world and didn't come. Um, but that's certainly, we know their full-strength team. That You know, there's a reason they're in the World Cup. They are a talented team and we're, um, we know we're not going to walk into that game thinking it's going to be an easy beat game. We're going to have to gonna have to beat them and we're gonna have to beat someone else in our pool to be able to go through to the to the top 16 so you know we've got to be able to bring our a game in every single game in this tournament we talked about you know team usa wanting to bring their full strength side during the qualifiers you know player availability sort of changed a lot depending on you know club commitments etc what's the likelihood that the tall blacks are going to send their strongest team possible for this world cup yeah, I mean, absolutely. We we are expecting every player to be available um, to be able to put their hand up and want to go. And um, you know, again, it come down to the health of players and and uh, and, and form at the time. And Piero's got a really tough job to be able to select uh, the top twelve. And it's going to be a there's going to be some really good players that miss out, unfortunately. And that's that's the story of when you go into World Cups. There's always going to be someone that because the difference between players sometimes is you can split it with a hair and. It'll be which one can play a certain role for the team. And, and you know, you might go, oh, this guy's averaging five points more than the guy they selected, but the guy they selected may be playing a pivotal role knowing that they're only going to get 10 minutes a game and that 10 minutes they're going to be able to provide X or Y. So that's that's Piero now just starting to work on his puzzle and what that looks like. And he'll be sitting down with his assistant coaches and brainstorming about what, what players they need, how they match up with oppositions and things like that. I mean, the good news is the quality in New Zealand basketball is now there's selection headaches uh, abound for Piero. So that's good for him, at least. Uh, but, you know, the sales NBL can be quite a tough uh, physical league. You know, games are won quite often, you know, on the glass there. Is that the style of basketball New Zealand needs to play to be successful at this World Cup? We we can't go into these tournaments going head to head with teams, just going basket, trading basket for basket, and, and talent on talent because we'll lose every game. Um, you know we don't have the talent for some of these teams that are around the world. We have some talented players, not taking anything away from our players, but certainly we can't match. You know, like we can't match a USA just going head to head on an offensive barrage. So we've got to come up with creative plans, creative defensive systems, um, offenses that are going to be able to free our guys up to be able to knock shots down. In the day, it comes down to can you make shots and big moments in games and um, as you see it in the sales NBL as well it's what teams can make the plays um, when the, when it matters and what teams can really lock in and get stops defensively as well. Now speaking with Basketball New Zealand CEO Dylan Boucher and talking of success we mentioned it before you've heard it a lot every time you go to these things you and Piero Cameron were part of that great 2002 side that finished fourth it was mentioned again during the live stream as well as the best placing for the Tall Blacks what needs to happen for you to deem this World Cup a successful outing for the Tall Blacks? Yeah, for us, again, when you when you dealt, um, I mean, back when we played in 2002, we kind of had a dream run. Um, we Our first game, we knocked over Russia, which was a powerhouse in basketball at the time, and that was the scalp we needed, and then we just needed to win the ones we were expected to win. Um, that that 2002 team, we lost, a, uh, you know, we lost some games heavily in that tournament, but we, we managed to win the games that counted. When we crossed over with Puerto Rico, we we knocked them out of the tournament. And they were undefeated in the tournament. That coming into the game against us, they'd beaten USA, and that you know they'd given USA their first defeat, and so we were coming in knowing how good they were, and, and to knock them over. 
was kind of set us up nicely to to go through. And um, this tournament's the same. I mean, obviously we're going to have to get through a Greece or a USA, so we're going to have to we're going to have to get a big scalp to be able to get through. And once you're through that, then it's this doesn't get any easier. You're still going to cross over with some tough teams. So it's uh, it's you just got to bring your A game every single time. And you know, I know I've got confidence that Piero and the assistant coaches will be coming up with game plans for each game. That's going to be. Um, for the players to be able to go out and execute and hopefully they can do it and, and you know, really put the put the ball in the hoop and give us a chance to win. Now, after the World Cup, of course, there is the the Olympics to to think about. We've got both traditional 5-on-5 basketball plus 3x3 there. Can you describe for us what that road to qualifi- qualification looks like for both the Tall Blacks and the Tall Ferns for uh, Paris? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, it's it's pretty convoluted. It's uh, to probably need a, a degree to sit down and work it out. But it's uh, essentially what we want to do is we want to be able to, you know, qualify through this through the World World Cup tournament. But um, the reality is, if you don't qualify through the World Cup tournament, and I think it's um, I think it's the top four um, go through, then you've got to go into. Oh, actually, so you have to be your highest seeded placing in your in your pool. Uh, sorry, in your zone. So for us, we'll have to place ahead of Australia. Um, and so if we do place ahead of Australia, um, then we'll get an automatic berth to the Olympics. If we don't, we'll have to end up going to a qualifying tournament and the, and the same will go for the, um, for the tall, for, uh, for the tall firms as well as having to go through qualification tournaments. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty tough, pretty tough road, um, to get to the Olympics, but, um, not impossible as well. And similar for three X three. 3x3 again um, they'll be going through um, World Cup qualifiers as, as well so again that 3x3 is slightly different because it comes down to points so each tournament you win you get a series of points and the players get a series of points so you need a, a certain amount of points to have a ranking to be able to make it through so we're confident that we're on the right track in the 3x3 space to be able to be at the Olympics but again a lot of tournaments to go before we uh, get to ahead of ourselves. Uh, just lastly from me Dylan you mentioned talking to Yao Ming uh, and it kind of ties in quite nicely when you think of, you know, the big news recently of, you know, Ty Winyard signing that 3x3 uh, deal in China after he got scouted by the Shanghai Sharks. Could you see 3x3 basketball kind of becoming like like T20 cricket where franchises throw around big money to get the best players for what would be like a really fast product perfect for TV? Yeah, 100%. Another conversation I've had over here um, with another Chinese company is is talking about starting a 3x3 league um, in China. So again, another league starting up. So, you know, there there's a lot of money in basketball in China. And obviously they're seeing the 3x3 market as a market that can really, you know, benefit commercially. So I think you're going to see more and more um, opportunities for our top players to be able to go and play 3x3 globally um, and play in tournaments all around the world. So I imagine it's going to end up being something like the seventh circuit uh, where, you know, teams will end up traveling around. I think there's a little way to go yet because it'll be club based to start with. But once people see money in a sport and they start investing in it, that's when the, you know, the, the big dollars start happening. Like like the Ty, Ty Winyard deal that he signed. I mean, he's got a great opportunity to go and play the 3x3 game and get paid, you know, very well for it. Awesome. Awesome. I, I feel like every time either if it's me or Smithy chatting to you on SNZ mornings, there's always great stuff coming out of basketball New Zealand. Uh, so just as always, Dylan, always appreciate the time and safe travels back home. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Logan. Great chatting, mate. The panel. Right, Jamie Wall and uh, James Regan with us this morning. Uh, Jamie Wall, uh, Super Rugby, packed out uh, Hamilton Stadium. Did it deliver for you, the Chiefs and the Crusaders? Yeah, good morning, Smith. Good morning, Jamie. Yeah, it absolutely did. That was a game that really lived up to the hype and probably actually exceeded it. 
uh, really, the way that it ended up. You had two big teams coming in, uh, crowd and battles all across the field, um, and the most notable one being in the number 10 jersey with uh, Damien McKenzie and Richard Mwanga both pulling out pretty big games, I think. I think that DMAC probably shaded uh, Richie because he was just given a lot more opportunities to run, and, and you remember the times that a guy runs with the ball more than uh, anything else. But at the same time, uh, Mwanga did step up when it counted and uh, kicked a sideline conversion that put the put the Crusaders in front when they when they really needed it. So he showed his class as well because when it comes down to it, when you're playing Test match footy, uh, you've got to deliver when it when it absolutely counts. And and they both they both did that in that game. So it's, it's an intriguing conversation going forward. Um, but yeah, I think that um, uh, the game itself was was played with a bit of a Test match intensity. You saw that. I can't remember a time uh, a New Zealand Super Rugby team kicked four penalties in one half, uh, let alone five in, in one game, um, outside mm. of perhaps a final. Um, and, and that just showed the approach. It also showed that these two teams, you know, have it in the back of their minds that they're probably going to meet again later on in the season, perhaps in the final. And they don't want to show their hand too much. But at the same time, um, even though they played a pretty cagey game, it was still incredibly entertaining. Um, and I think it just summed up, you know, what this is what Super Rugby is supposed to be like every week. You know, like we've had some pretty good games this year, uh, but if you can get it to a point where this is happening every single week and you don't have that three-week layoff we just had where we had, uh, you know, bye weeks, all the, uh, a lot of teams on their buys and everything like that, and you have these blockbuster matches that come up and really deliver, and they have this year. You know, it's been... It's been uh, fashionable to knock Super Rugby but you can't say that there haven't been some good games and this was definitely one of them and, and it's got me really excited about uh, the potential of these two teams meeting again um, uh, later on in the season yeah, James uh, good morning to you it's interesting we, we talk about it uh, in that way and we just kind of assume uh, I look at the points table um, as I see it this morning Crusaders are fifth Chiefs uh, way out in front <clears throat> so the Crusaders would have a pretty hard pathway uh, including right if we had to play it tomorrow, they'd have to play the Blues at Eden Park. But we still kind of assume, because of history, that they'll be there. Yeah, uh, good morning to you both. Um, yeah, and that kind of sets it up for, for what Jamie's maybe alluding to, that the back end of the year for Super Rugby is going to be really good because all of those teams, and we'll include the Brumbies and maybe another Australian team, they kind of look like they're building at the right time. The Chiefs have obviously been amazing all season and that has probably thrown a bit of a spanner in the works in terms of not everyone maybe thought they'd be right up the top there, but that shows that the back end of this year and the finals in particular in that final series is going to be really exciting and hopefully we do see packed out crowds again and we see blockbuster games like we saw um, between the Chiefs and the Crusaders because Jamie's right, like, that is absolutely where Super Rugby needs to be in terms of getting massive games week in, week out. But if we can see it at the back end of the year and have a really good final series, then that's going to set everyone up well for the next year. But certainly watching these two teams, I'd love to see them both in the final. I'd also check the Blues in there. If they can get everything right and get a couple of players back, then between those three, the, there's going to be some really good games and, and some entertainment as well, which is all the fans want, right? Like... We want games like that all the time, but if we can get it for finals in particular and have some a couple of really good weeks there, then I think most fans would be pretty happy with that.
So um, let's look at uh, other rugby news, um, if we can, Jamie. Uh, Damien McKenzie uh, committing through to 2025. And I guess you'd have to say Ruby Tui is uh, the face of the Black Ferns. wouldn't say she's the best player by any stretch of the imagination, but she certainly is a very recognisable face. Uh, and she's resigned uh, as well for two more years, although I understand she goes uh, immediately into a sabbatical, uh, some more time away from the game. But two profile signings, Jamie. I'd go a bit further than that. I'd say she's probably the face of rugby in New Zealand right now. Um, she's, I, I, I would, I would say that she's the most recognisable rugby player um, going going around uh, because of the way that she's uh, managed to leverage her fame very smartly. I must say, and having a lot to do with her over the last few years, I'm not, I'm really not surprised. She's a very smart operator and a smart cookie, and um, someone with very very natural charisma that deserves. Uh, the sort of spotlight uh, that she's she's getting. Um, I had a quick look at the Herald and and stuff and RNZ this morning, and it was her story um, about re-signing was the main one, not Damien McKenzie's. And there's no slight on McKenzie at all. I mean, uh, if there's one thing I have to say about him re-signing, I'm not surprised. Uh, he's already done his his stint um, overseas. He sort of rolled the dice a little bit and went over because it wasn't a sabbatical that he went on. He, he took a break and had to come back and prove himself, and he's he, he's done that. Um, very, obviously, you know, to a point where he's he's uh, you know you know in the conversation, or perhaps most people's a lot of people's uh, pick for All Black starting first five if they were to play um, this weekend. So, you know, he him sticking around in New Zealand rugby was was probably always going to happen, um, and it just goes to show that there's sort of more than one way to skin a cat when you're dealing with with players like him. You know, like you don't have to go down the sabbatical route. You can just let them sort of go on a break and come back and leave it up to them to target uh, a specific World Cup um, cycle that they're, that they're, they're going for. So it's worked out pretty well for everybody, that deal, um, especially the Chiefs, um, because they've managed to go from a team that uh, lost every single game in Super Rugby Aotearoa uh, back in 2020 to a team that's probably the top domestic side in the entire world right now. Um, and they've managed to lock up their coach as well. So uh, for the next, you know, I think it's five years, five year deal that he's, he's just signed. Clay McMillan has just signed. So I think that they're making some very good moves as an organisation. Um, the Chiefs and it showing both on and off the field um, with uh, full stadiums and and uh, you know like a really solid group, core group of players uh, that uh, could potentially make up a pretty significant axis of the All Blacks going forward. Yeah, very interesting. Um, we'll take a quick break. Um, we'll have a news break, and when we come back, James, I'll, um, I'll like your opinion on those two high-profile signings, uh, if we could. Thanks. Uh, it's uh, 10.30. Out of her with the news. The panel. We have Jamie Wall and James Regan with us this morning, which is uh, cool. James, um, yes, uh, just uh, your thoughts on uh, uh, Ruby Tui and Damien McKenzie. Uh, Ruby Tui, the face of rugby for you in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, she's definitely well up there and it's a massive, massive signing for New Zealand rugby in particular, in particular off the field as well when you're looking to grow the women's game and, and continue to keep hold of some of that momentum that, that the Black Ferns gathered last year and Ruby Tui was obviously an immense part of that. So for, for girls and women playing rugby to have someone like Ruby to look up to is, is massive for New Zealand rugby and obviously an asset to the Black Ferns as well. I'm not sure how many years 
she's got, but she's been a, a pro for such a long time now, and, and she's she's done it all in the game. So to have her for the next couple of years and to be able to um, market her and get her involved in communities, and particularly for for young girls as well, is is huge. Um, and definitely, yeah, definitely one of, if not the face of, of rugby in this country at the moment, which is which is awesome, right? Like at a time when we really want to grow the women's game and we want to get Super Rugby picky kicking on and we want to have all these things, you need someone who's kind of leading the charge and who's a face, but also Ruby Tui, you know, there's no one better than her to do that. And, and Damien, yeah, not a surprise that he's he's signed on either. And particularly for the Chiefs, like we've seen how massive he has been this year and, and how much of a... Um, a playmaker and an important part of their setup here. So I'm sure Clay McMillan's, uh, you know, stoked that he's he's kicked on and, and he's had his experience overseas. And so it's, for him to now be focused on the next next couple of years um, in New Zealand is is awesome, and it's awesome for for the All Blacks as well to have just another player who they can go. Yeah, we've got him for for the next wee while, and we can start to do a bit of planning as well. So both of them, yeah, awesome awesome signings for New Zealand rugby. Jamie, Eden Park with a retractable roof. Um, I'm not sure I ever envisaged that happening. Um, and uh, perhaps an updated waterfront stadium proposal set to be announced. Um, um, it's interesting. Yeah, I you know, take this with a gigantic truckload of salt, like everything about this, um, because it's quite obvious that the from a media perspective anyway, that the recent news about the Commonwealth Games potential hosting rights uh, would have sparked some sort of discussion about, well, where are we going to actually put it if, if New Zealand bid for the Commonwealth Games? Because let, let's face it, like if New Zealand bid for the Commonwealth Games, I'd probably get it. Um, and so it would require somewhere to actually host track and field, which would either involve some sort of redevelopment of a current stadium or uh, an entirely new one. Um, and obviously proponents of the waterfront stadium, of which there are many, and there's a lot of money at stake uh, involved with this, would use that case um, to secure some sort of funding, whether that's from the central or local governments, um, in order to press on with a plan that's been kicking around for about 25 years now. Uh, and so I think that this uh, release by Eden Park uh, Trust Board, um, which got leaked on, on Friday in pretty amateur fashion, it has to be said, um, really just feels like something that's been written on the back of a cocktail napkin, to be honest. Like, there's no there's no figure of how much it's going to cost. Um, it's all very big thinking, um, planning that they're doing. Um, I, can, I, I, don't, I can't think of a, a stadium that needs a roof less than Eden Park. Um, there are some reasonably good ideas in there, like the ability to uh, reduce the size of it for, for different events. Like, that's, that's quite interesting. Um, but at the same time, this feels like it's been hurriedly done as a response to, or at least front-footing, sorry, uh, the the announcement by uh, people involved with the waterfront idea um, to try and get that one up and going. And it's just a, it's just a case of one-upsmanship between these two groups. Um, there's nothing really substantial within either of them. And, um, yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing a roof on any park anytime soon. No, I don't either. Um, but, James, you might have a different take on it. Um, uh, it uh, stood the test of time and uh, survived the last, uh, I guess, uh, attack in, in terms of uh, having it relocated or moved altogether or turned into a retirement home. So it's got a bit of stickability about it, Eden Park. Yeah, it does. And, yeah, no, I, I don't have a different opinion. I completely agree with Jamie, like anything in Auckland. And 
probably wide in New Zealand. To be honest, I'll believe it when I see it. Like we are so slow to get anything done. Just look at Christchurch. Like really, it's taken this long to even get approval to get a stadium up after the earthquake. Like are you kidding? And it's just the case with with everything in Auckland, whether it's trains or other public transport, or it's the roads, or it's a, a new stadium. Like it just never gets done. And Aucklanders suffer for it, you know, um, across the board. With we want to bring sports here, but we don't have the facilities or or whatever. Yeah, we can host a couple of All Blacks tests and some some club rugby and an NRL, but like we're never going to have a big NRL event here because they don't they don't have the facilities and people know it's an absolute headache to get anything done in Auckland. So no, I don't believe it. Would it be good? Yeah, but could the money be spent better out elsewhere, getting another stadium or some kind of other upgrade to another facility? Yeah, probably. Um, so like anything in this city, I'll believe it when I see it and I'll see you in another 25 years' time probably. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, uh, Jamie Wall and James Regan with us this morning on the panel. I uh, didn't have this on the agenda because it only happened in the last uh, 40 minutes or so, but two big winners in uh, American sport from uh, New Zealand this morning. Um, Jamie Wall, we've got uh, Stephen Elka winning yet another title on the Champions Tour, and Scott McLaughlin uh, to the fore winning the IndyCar event in Alabama. So really good little 40, 50 minutes there. Yeah, congratulations to both men, um, probably at sort of opposite ends of their their career paths. Um, it's been really wonderful to see Stephen Elka uh, sort of get the get the relevance and and success that probably eluded him through all those years of battling away on the actual PGA Tour. So to to go to the Seniors Tour and and be pulling out wins like this is is, is pretty cool. And uh, I, I heard before you were talking about how his caddy had passed away, and so uh, for this to happen and be able to pay special tribute to him um, in that way is, is, is really important uh, for him. So well done. And yeah, with Scott McLaughlin, obviously not the biggest motor racing fan, but it's really cool to see him um, just carving out his path. Uh, you know, perhaps, I remember last year we talked about perhaps, you know, sort of the torch getting passed from Scott Dixon to, to Scott McLaughlin. Um, it might be might be taking a little bit longer than, than people might have thought, but uh, it is cool to have that presence, that Kiwi presence um, in that big market um, and in motor racing as well because, uh, you know, it's very lucrative and it just shows that, you know, things can happen from, from this part of the world. Uh, James, uh, just finally, um, interesting. Uh, the Warriors not uh, blaming, unlike uh, some Crusaders fans that are texting in the show, they're not blaming their officials for... Um, <laughs> For, for the uh, uh, for the loss at the weekend, but um, they're blaming themselves just not having quite enough to get over the Roosters. What did you make of that performance? Yeah, well, first of all, that's not like Crusaders fans at all. I think Holly Ritchie might be uh, the sender of a few of those texts, so just tell him tell him where to go, Smithy. Um, look, like make no mistake about it, the Warriors lost that game, and the Roosters won it because the Roosters were incredible on defence, and it was awful like terrible conditions at Mount Smart yesterday and to the 20 around 20,000 people that went out and sat at Mount Smart like full credit to you that is some that is some outstanding commitment but Warriors cannot blame the rest for for either defeat in the past week or so either the Storm or the Roosters um, for, for, for differing reasons but yesterday 
they had so much ball and they just couldn't get over the line. And you, you get games like that, don't get me wrong, where does, you know you don't get the bounce of the ball or you know you, you fumble it over the line, which they did a couple of times. That happens. Uh, and the Roosters are, are a top-four team who they kind of... I think Andrew Webster alluded it, alluded to it in the post-match that that's how you play in those conditions. So Warriors fans, like, do they get a couple of rough balls against them? Absolutely. But it's it's a very slippery slope to lose a couple of games and then suddenly blame the rest for everything. Mm. That, is, that is not what has happened over the past week or so. The Melbourne game, they had three guys go down, three key guys go down in uh, um, half of footy or whatever it was. And the Roosters were just a class yesterday and the Warriors didn't get the rub of the green um, in terms of things you know, quite going their way. So Andrew Webster is absolutely right. They... They cost themselves that game yesterday. They should have won it. They should have, you know, at least scored. Um, but they'll they'll take a lot from that. But it, it is by no means, in any stretch of the imagination, the referees or the officials' fault they lost either of those games. To to kind of assume that is, yeah, you're going down a pretty dangerous uh, dangerous path. There was a couple of calls, particularly in that Melbourne game, I thought were pretty rough, and you can have some grievances against. But they lost both those games because. The other two teams are an absolute class outfit in the NRL and have been for a long time. That's where the Warriors want to be. They're not quite there yet. They're on the right on the right path, but it, it was not the referee's fault at all. James Regan, thank you very much. Jamie Wall, also thank you very much for uh, your opinions on uh, what you saw over the weekend and the possibility of uh, Eden Park. Yep, I think uh, we can all sit on our hands for a long time about that one. Uh, so um, uh, we'll have another panel tomorrow morning. Uh, all going well, folks. Um, it is 10.44 here on SCNZ. Right, uh, let's uh, get through a few more of these uh, texts that have come in. Some uh, real interesting ones regarding the officiating on Saturday night in particular. Uh, Richard has said, Smithy was wondering who the commentator was on Saturday night. Jeff McTainch. Damn, Jeff is damn good, I reckon. Um, so there you go. Uh, all it was close. <coughs> it was also close, but if you... Uh, look at the gardener knock-on. There was a piece of tape on the ground, and if you use that as a guide, it was a knock-on. Very close, though. So that's Jeff's opinion on that. Uh, someone else has come in and said, well, hold on a minute. Uh, any object travelling at a certain velocity will not have its journey reversed when it meets an object of lesser velocity. The decision by the TMO to call a forward pass against the Crusaders was a shocker. Uh, the ball was heading back, downfield, and merely touched the hand. There was no movement of the ball forward off the player. So there you go. Uh, Patrick has come in and Patrick said, yep, no more feral Facebook page than the Crusaders site after a loss. Saturday night it blew up, 80% blaming the ref. That's Patrick from Canterbury. Uh, Jim, long, uh, Jim from uh, Tamuka, uh, no, uh, long time no here. Uh, Jim, nice to hear from you. Crusaders uh, versus Chiefs win, cracking game and makes the run to the playoffs more exciting. And the World Cup is only 19 weeks away, Smithy, and another 19 weeks away. Conway and the IPL going absolutely awesome, is he? Watch him. Uh, 92 not out wasn't enough for the Chennai Super Kings. He is going to get a massive contract next year. Ka-ching, ka-ching, you're absolutely right. Uh, Brent has said, look, Chiefs had a man sent off 10 minutes. Crusaders took control. That was the only time in the game. Then the Chiefs took control. Uh, if the man had not been sent off, the Chiefs would still have won. Brent said, just put it to bed, will you? Just put it to bed. Um, and uh, Kevin has come and said, I'm a bit worried about all our pivots. They're all making horrible mistakes at different times. Aimless kicking and poor option taking. D-Mac was awful in the first half and has thrown at least two intercepts. 
by not looking up this season. So Kevin was his thoughts there as well. Um, look, take a look at knock-on fumble forward by by the Crusaders in the first try with the pickup of the ball at the base of the ruck. Uh, it just keeps coming in, this referee and the Crusaders thing. Uh, hey, Warriors fans, surely you can't blame the ref. Oh, by the way, I'm a Crusaders fan, just saying. Um, gosh, Smithy, Crusaders fan here. The biggest issue we have that our depth is not there. We have 12-odd All Blacks, but the next tier down are all young and not quite at the elite level uh, yet. In the past, we had 12 All Blacks plus 10 almost or fringe All Blacks. The refereeing didn't help us, but our lack of scoring is what cost us. Cheers, Paddy. Always a really conservative, uh, retrospective view coming from uh, Paddy. Uh, what, what's, uh, what's the IndyCar result? We'll tell you what the IndyCar result is. Uh, McLaughlin won. McLaughlin won. Scott McLaughlin won. Um, and Scott Dixon, seventh. I think Marcus Armstrong was uh, either 10th or 11th. But that's the big news in Alabama this morning. Stephen Elker also winning. So, uh, excellent. Thanks for those texts. We'll be back shortly. Yeah, 10.57 here. Uh, Manchester United getting up over Aston Villa this morning. Uh, 1-0. Fallen 1, uh, Manchester City 2. So they go to the top of the table. Uh, Bournemouth 4, Leeds 1. Newcastle 3, Southampton 1. And Liverpool 4, Tottenham 3 in a 7-goal thriller at Anfield. Paul Mawati from uh, the TAB with us this morning. Quietish sort of a day on the punting front, Paul. A couple of uh, NBA playoff games. Of course, the big game seven uh, in the Western Conference between the Golden State Warriors uh, and the Sacramento Kings. The Warriors coming out on top there. Uh, and they're through to the uh, second round of the playoffs where they'll meet the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Just having a look at the NRL uh, and some of the outright markets. And there's been a, a wee bit of interest from punters after the weekend's action. A number of uh, our customers have jumped on the West Tigers to make the eight. They're currently $51 to make the eight. And before this weekend, they were probably lucky to pick up a win in the draw in the uh, buy round. Um, but they've <laughs> they've knocked over the reigning premiers, the Penrith Panthers, the Tigers. They're still at the foot of the table, but there are only three wins outside the, the top eight. So yeah, a few punters have decided to jump on at $51 for the Tigers to make the eight. Um, at the, under, uh, uh, the other end of the table, uh, the minor premiership market, um, there's been a wee bit of support uh, for the Cronulla Sharks, who are 650 at the moment to win the minor premiership. They're now second on the table after that very, very good win. They've got the Dolphins this weekend. Of course, the Warriors, uh, who went down bravely to the Roosters in the rain at Mount Smart. Well, they got a tough one. They got to back up against the Panthers in Magic Round over there in Brisbane, and on this time the punters are siding with the Panthers. They've decided to take the favourites. Panthers are a dollar twenty-nine, Warriors three fifty, but the money at the moment with the Panthers to win that one. They're ten and a half point favourites. Punters also backing them there to bounce back and bounce back big and beat the Warriors this weekend in Brisbane. Paul Mawadi, thank you very very much uh, for that on your Monday of investing. It will be Greg Alexander. Greg Alexander, good old Brandy, after the break on the NRL. Simkin for Wakem. Full uh, floating it. Now a chance. They're in. Nofaluma. Try number 100. Clearing. The kick. Triton. It beats the ball. 
against the two-time defending champions. And they've done it with defence. They've done it with grit. And they've done it with heart. Rightio. Well, that was a special moment for West Tigers fans because they have been just sitting there with a look of discontent and bewilderment for such a long period of time. But to get a win like that against a team like Penrith uh, must have put some smiles on some faces uh, around Leichhardt area this morning. Uh, wonderful story of that. But perhaps not talking to the right guy uh, in summarising this, though, because we've got uh, the legendary Greg Alexander with us now. As, uh, he's just fresh from his own show on SEN 1170 in Sydney this morning. Um, so, uh, Greg Alexander, good morning to you. Bit of a shock morning, to the Sydney. system, but much needed. Much, much needed for the West Tigers. Uh, great great to see the Tigers get a win. And, I, and And I've been saying it for a couple of weeks, Smitty, I, I called the game last week against Manly and they should have beaten Manly at Campbelltown last start. So you knew they weren't far away. It's just, did you want it to be your team when the Tigers finally got a win? Um, no. Uh, now, if I was Wayne Bennett, I'd start talking about something else just to deflect and take away from what happened there on Saturday night in <laughs> Bathurst. But I, I won't. I'll, I'll stick with the Tigers and they're very good. Um, Smitty, I was driving back from Wagga um, I covered the, the Raiders-Dolphins game Saturday afternoon in Wagga, which was great. And uh, we're driving back in the car, jumped in the car. We're sort of two hours into our trip from Wagga back to, back to home, back to Sydney. And the Tigers scored in the second minute. And I said to my wife, Tanya, I said, turn the radio off, honey, because the Tigers are going to beat us tonight. I just had a feeling about it, and uh, <laughs> that's the way it turned out. The Tigers handled the conditions. They were very similar, the conditions, to what uh, the Warriors faced in Auckland yesterday against the Roosters. It just teamed down the whole the whole game in Bathurst, and the Tigers barely made a mistake. They kicked well, and they frustrated our blokes into a, into a loss, and that was, you know, that's they played perfect wet-weather footy, and good on them. It's they've they've copped a hammering over here, and they probably copped a bit of a touch up even in New Zealand. Like everyone wanted to make a joke of the, what the Tigers had done over the last uh, you know eight weeks of the premiership, but uh, to get your first win against the defending premiers, that's a good way to start your campaign. Did you manage to leave the radio off the whole time? Be honest, mate. I I kept checking every now and then, and I got <laughs> I got to, I got you know I got to the last twenty minutes, and uh, the scores were twelve eight, and I just I had no faith, so I I, I turned it back off again. Um, anyway, <laughs> interesting trip home. Um, yes, uh, from Wagga, but great win, Smitty. Great win, and and they they you know they, they no team deserves to get the hammering that the poor Tigers have copped over the, the first eight weeks. So uh, we celebrated the win here, uh, mm -hmm. Vossi and I, on SEN uh, this morning. And, uh, you know, it took a lot of calls about Tigers. We interviewed Alex Twal, the front rower, the Tigers front rower, who's yet to score a try in his career, but um, getting ever so close. But he said, I'd give up that not to have scored a try, but to get the victory. So very good. So, what do you make of uh, your Panthers then? Uh, at this stage, no, no reason to panic. I mean, they've had eight games. Uh, they're on ten points. There's uh, six teams, I, I uh, hasten to add. Only four points off the pace, and the Broncos have played one more game than everyone else mm. on 14. So, not pan we're not looking panic situation, but what, what are you thinking they're lacking? Well, I, I think it was, Smitty, it was always going to be a different season. You know, it, it, what, it, 
you just knew it wasn't going to be the you know, 2021-2022 seasons where they're almost unbeatable. Were they 21 or 20? They won 17 games straight. Uh, 21, again, a great regular season that led to their first premiership. And last year, you know, did they lose three games all season? They just went on these big runs where they were winning big chunks of game. But with the play, the change in personnel, uh, not that they're the only side struggling with injury, but take out you know the key players they lost at the back end of last year and then with injury problems this year, it was always going to be a, a challenging season and completely different to the last two that have seen them the, clearly the best side. Um, so you're right, even though, and that was four-point loss was their biggest loss of the season. They've had three other losses, two by a point and one by two points. So no need to panic, but I think everyone can see that uh, you know, if, if Penrith are to win three in a row, it's, it's, it's going to be one hell of an effort to do it because the challenges are much bigger this year than they, were, they have been over the last couple. Randy, no uh, sense of panic here uh, about the Warriors either and, uh, and certainly no complaints about the refereeing uh, from uh, Andrew Webster and co. A few on the text line that, that weren't mm. too happy, but um, I don't think they've got uh, that much to blame. They, they had opportunities. They just didn't find that X factor to score yesterday. Yeah, they just didn't get the last... You're right, Smitty. And I, I was on the panel yesterday, and, you know, watching the game, coming half-time, full-time, um, they had six or seven genuine chances to score tries yesterday, and they, you know, bounced the ball or a bit of, bit of desperation from the Roosters or just not being able to get hands on the ball. So it wasn't if it wasn't as if they didn't create chances to score. It just didn't happen for them, um, which can you know that sometimes that can you know that can pan out that way um, where you, know, you you create chances and most of those chances were off kicking. I thought Sean Johnson, while, while ever Sean Johnson is playing the way he is, you know, you, you can't give up on the Warriors. And then add to the all the little pieces around them that are going so well. But they're another team that's struggling injury-wise, Smitty. You know, you take out Tohu Harris and a number of others, mm. Chans. Um, you know, so they're doing it tough in terms of getting, a you know, their best team on the park. And that was certainly, you know... Not to be embarrassed, the 14-0 scoreline, the Warriors, as you said, I'm sure your listeners have said, we had our chances, but we just couldn't get the ball on the ground in the in-goal area. That was that was really the difference. And I yesterday I sort of, I, I said, you know, if you were talking in soccer terms, in, in football terms, you know, Warriors had more shots on goal. Uh, it's just the Roosters were able to grab the few that they did have. Um, so... Nothing to be uh, disappointed about. Yes, didn't get the two points yesterday. Still had 20,000 there in terrible conditions and could have easily have won the match. Certainly weren't weren't outplayed, just didn't take their chances. Which makes uh, this weekend um, our Warriors against uh, your Panthers pretty damned exciting in the neutral venue of Suncorp. Yeah, it does. It does. It's a you know big game for both clubs. So you know both coming off losses, um, and both will want to uh, get back there. I'm not sure injury wise. I think Chance uh, he won't be fit you know, because it was 11 a stand down on on Anzac Day. So that's that's disappointing. But D- Dallin Watani was fantastic. I thought at fullback he had a great game. Um, 
So you've got an able replacement there. Uh, I think Torhu Harris is sort of a week-to-week proposition uh, with his knee problems. Um, but, yeah, it does set up a, a beauty. Uh, magic ground. Penrith will be desperate. I, I, I would say, Smitty, it's probably not a good time for the Warriors to meet Penrith after being beaten by the team that's coming last. Mm. I think Penrith will be ready. I think they will be too. I think you're spot on. Listen, the Knights have been waiting for quite some while. Time for Kalen Ponga to, to come back from injury. Uh, he returned at uh, 5-8, but um, his defence was uh, pretty woeful. Um, statistics saying he missed up to 10 tackles against the Eels. And you just wonder about the physicality of the game and Kalen Ponga now. Yeah, I, look, I, yeah, I'm not willing to sort of write Kalen off yet, but the, the whole team... It was a it was a pretty um, pretty inept performance by Newcastle. Uh, were competitive for the opening ten or fifteen minutes, and that's about it. Uh, Thirty six at halftime. The the Eels could have scored another five tries. That that's how much better the Eels were than the Newcastle. Ended up you know, forty three twelve. But yeah, there's concerns over Kale and Ponga. Uh, we just had Cameron Smith on for our hour, uh, which we do every Monday, and we we're chatting to Cameron about the Queensland State of Origin side and he said, look, if you had to pick a, a Queensland team now, would Kale and Ponga be the fullback? And he said, yes. Um, and, you know, I'm on the other side of the camp, New South Wales. I'm thinking, well, if there was a player that I didn't want there, it'd be Kale and Ponga. So even though, you know, he's come back into the game after those, after those weeks off from the concussion problem and it's been an ongoing problem, I you know I I still think he's the athletic ability of Kalen and I think he'll he'll get himself into a swing of things but he needs help you know he he missed a lot of tackles but if you go through a side Smitty if you go through a a losing side that has as many tries as the Eels scored put on them you go through the halves the halves generally miss half a dozen tackles in a game where their their defensive line is opened up a lot, and because the, the the halves are the target. That's not saying Kalen you know can't be better defensively, but certainly not close to even riding Kalen Ponger off yet. Jack Whiten has uh, was very emotional after the Raiders thirty one thirty win over the Dolphins. What a cracker that was! Uh, mm. So how has he been portrayed in the Aussie media since the news broke of his deal with Souths? Uh, well, it's been it's been a big week for Canberra and for Jack Whiten. Well, big couple of weeks because it it has been circling and wasn't until uh, last week, Smitty, that he confirmed that he would be joining South Sydney. So that was a you know it was a blow for the Raiders because they offered him more money than what South Sydney could offer him, but still decided to go to South Sydney. Um, that might have made for some for some awkward moments early on for for Jack about the decision that he made. But, you know, this isn't the first time a big-name player has signed out, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, with a fair bit of the season to play. We had it last year. We've had it the year before where big-name players could not stay at their current clubs because of the offers coming to them uh, from those that wanted to rebuild. So it's not new, but Jack was under scrutiny um, you know, Canberra wanted to question the deal um, that South Sydney had done. So a lot of pressure coming into that game and a lot of focus on Jack White. I will say that he stood up uh, and Jack showed on the weekend that he's a man of actions, not words. And he did say, look, players know me. My teammates know me. They, they know what I'll give. 
whether I've signed with South or with the Raiders, my job is for the rest of the year to play well for the Green Machine. And he did that. He, he, had, a, he had a terrific game, certainly a great start to the game, which would have silenced everyone. And it would have been great for their fans to realise that Jack's committed to the side for the rest of the year. Uh, not that I thought any different, knowing Jack White and knowing what sort of man he is. Um, no surprise to see him get on with it, play great footy, uh, and help the Raiders win a game, which was a thriller in Wagga. Smitty, you're right. It was an absolute thriller. I'm just, um, I, I, as you say, there's no reason to panic, and we, we can't even surmise about the end of the competition yet, but I'm really liking the way that the Sharks are trending. And Nico Hines, uh, as their pivot, of course, has uh, been quite outstanding. But, gosh, uh, they look very good over the Cowboys. Uh, they did. They did. Um, and Vossi, Vossi called that game for Fox and said, uh, came on Friday morning after the Thursday night game on our program and said, I think the Sharks can win the comp. So uh, despite it being against the Cowboys, who've been very disappointing, Vossi said, I, you know, I, I think they are certainly one of the sides that can win the competition. So, and, and I don't disagree with that. You know, when you look at, because the competition is a little bit tighter at the top this year, um, you know, the Sharks are one of those sides that can win the comp. They've got all the ingredients. They've got good pack. They've got a good coach that uh, likes to focus on defence. And they've got Nico Hines, who's in great form. He's He's been one of the standouts uh, without question, even though he missed the opening three rounds and didn't play his first game uh, until round four. Sort of his attacking numbers are, are there, up there with all those the best in the game, but the best in the game have played eight or nine nine games or eight games. So Nico in the half amount of time is still posting the, the attacking numbers that the best in the game are posting over eight games. So he's been brilliant, uh, Nico Hines, and they've got a lot of good players. Will Kennedy, both wingers are fantastic. Senna's Talakai and Jesse Ramian, powerhouses, get a lot of work out of them and uh, Nico is pulling all the strings for the Sharks and I agree, Smitty. I think they're looking very good at, at this stage. Uh, really uh, disappointing. I would have thought the Sea Eagles, their position on the table, I, I didn't see that. It was 26-10 to the Titans. I've got to say, I didn't see that coming. No, no. I, I, I think, um, you know, over the weekend there was a couple of teams that were very disappointing. Manly were one, the Dragons were the other. Um, going off what the Dragons did the week before against the Roosters, nearly getting a win on Anzac Day, 27-26. Played a thrill up, but played some great footy. Um, Manly were very similar. You know, I think they were a, they were a big disappointment. Had Tom Trebojevic uh, pull out just before, um, you know, play got underway or pulled out late in the week. So Tom was never go- never going to be part of it. But they've played well without Tom this year. Um, and even though they do have some injury problems, they've done it a lot better without Tom and without Josh Schuster already this year. So Titans always look like winning the game. Manly just weren't in the game, which was a a bit of a surprise because it was at Brookvale Oval, and they've played some great games at Brookie this year. Had a terrific win against the Melbourne Storm there uh, only a few weeks ago, and you're right. Smitty, certainly one of the disappointments this weekend was the manly performance. Well, we're in the month of May now, um, Brandy, as you well know, and uh, that means the State of Origin 1 is uh, not too far away. Prospects That's for that right. at this point, you, f- you feel? 
Uh, yep, May, end of May, the first game. So, um, you know, getting closer, you can... You know, sides, both sides would sort of be very closely to, you know, being picked. You'd sort of know which way you were going, but you can't sort of you just pencil things in at the moment with uh, so much footy yet to be played and chances of injuries and um, and that. But, uh, you know, both sides, both sides have some terrific, um, have some players in terrific form. Um there's, there might be a couple of questionable positions uh, for New South Wales. A lot of talk about Jerome Luai and Nico, Nico Hines uh, because of Tom Trebojevic's, uh slow return with his hamstring and the fact that he's out with a groin injury now. You know, Tom would be an automatic selection uh, if fit and playing well uh, in the centres, uh, but that, you know, sort of opens the door with Tom maybe not being there, with Campbell Graham's been in great form for South Sydney. Uh, Stephen Crichton's been in good form for the Panthers. Uh, Latrell Mitchell, you know, the fact that, you know, Latrell is playing as well as he is is a, is a great sign for New South Wales. Um, the hooking spot is probably also a spot uh, for New South Wales that uh, is a bit undecided. Appy Corusau, had a great game on Saturday night against uh, his old club, the Panthers. Damien Cook's been in good form. Reese Robson's uh, himself, probably not in the form, but he's been a casualty of the Cowboys' bad form. But Reese has been part of the setup before. So uh, there's a few positions that are certainly up for grabs. The wing spot, one of the wing spots with Josh Adokar uh, not being fit for at least game one. So interesting times over the next month to see who uh, who can get to game one and and the makeup of the sides. Just finally, uh, do you get to fly to Brisbane this weekend? Uh, yes, we're all travelling up there, Smitty. The whole lot, the Fox crew. So there's many of us going up there, and we're, we're on action, we're on deck Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's uh, it is a it's a great weekend of footy. It really is. It's a fantastic week weekend. Uh, Brisbane love it. And uh, they get out and support it, and we'll, we'll have full stay. Well, Suncorp will be full for the three days, I'm sure, uh, with some mm-hmm. cracking matches. So, uh, yes, all up there, mate. Enjoy, uh, but jealous. Yeah. I think it'll be a hell of a, a hell of a time. Actually, the the dolphins and the sharks will be a cracker. That's seven thirty on Saturday night. That will be chocker. Uh, Greg Alexander, as always, uh, thanks. Uh, I know you've been busy for three hours yourself this morning, so thanks for giving us uh, twenty minutes of your valuable time. Cheers, man. Always great to catch oh. up. Yeah, yeah, always good to talk, Smitty. Good on you, mate. Cheers, thank you. Greg Alexander there with us, uh, folks, on his take of what he happened over the weekend. Yes, that will be a good little uh, trip, wouldn't it be, for uh, the Fox uh, Sport crew? There's a lot of characters there, all heading up to Suncorp for the weekend. (laughs) Nice little uh, away gig. It is uh, coming up to 11.23 here on SENZ. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Right, let's uh, pop across to the sports desk where Logan Swingles uh, is uh, awaiting with um, some um, some news of uh, of local uh, local and overseas events. Uh, this is going to be a very wide, varied sports desk, Smithy, with a lot of audio. We've got a lot to get through. First of all, spare a thought uh, for all Sacramento Kings fans out there, especially one Hugh Bainan, very much a uh, friend of the show. They are, you know, looking to make history here into the NBA playoffs for the first time in a long time. I know a thing or two about that. But they've gone down uh, in Game 7 
120 to 100 at the hand of the Golden State Warriors and at the hand of Steph Curry shooting 50 points, Smithy. 50. That's brilliant. Uh, I noticed uh, Jimmy Butler got 56 the other day for the Heat, but that is outstanding. It is an outstanding performance. You kind of, when he gets hot, there's nothing hotter, is there, in, in uh, basketball, so... Um, dangerous yeah. time just, uh, for people who've written off the Warriors, eh? Yeah, just unreal. Well, exactly. A lot of ex- uh, championship uh, winning experience there. Don't count them out. I, I just sent a text to Hugh before and I said he had a whole schedule for the for all seven games of what he would wear. And he has a lot of Sacramento jerseys. But it came when it came to game seven, he said he was going to watch the game naked. And I said, look, mate, not saying it's your fault, but... You know, never mind. Anyway, uh, moving on. What a what a wet uh, Sunday it was in Mount Smart Stadium, Smithy. Uh, un- unfortunate result there with the Warriors getting shut out by the Roosters under that awful torrential rain. Hats off to uh, Warriors Nation for showing up. Like the official attendance was just over twenty thousand. I think it was like twenty thousand three hundred, something like that. Unreal. So not a lot of highlights, though, on the uh, radio commentary on ECNZ due to the result. I think one of the best bits, though, was a little bit of banter between Sam and Kempe towards the end. Roosters. Uh, hey, Sam, I just want to ask you, what, what would you play, mate, if you were playing rugby league? What position you reckon? I've actually done a, a quiz on this, Kempe. Yeah. Um, I think I'd probably be a fullback. Yeah, I, I agree. What do you reckon? I agree. A bit scared of the contact. Yeah. So I'll just be that guy who lurks around the back. You know, tries to snake my way through a gap when one opens up. That's what fullbacks do. What, what, what do you think I would play? Ooh, yeah, probably bench for me. You reckon? 18th man. <laughs> Working your way up. <laughs> no love there from Kempe. Ah, Smithy, no love. No, no, he doesn't think anyone's good enough to break into his game. That's the thing. You know? <laughs> With Kempe, he's always been very protective of his position and as being our one and only league authority. And he, ne- he doesn't want anyone to have any pretense about the fact that they might have, you know, uh, aspirations about the, the game itself. It's Kempe. Yeah. And while it's been an amazing morning watching Scott McLaughlin win at IndyCar, Alabama, watching Stephen Alka win again in Texas, it was a great day yesterday, Smithy. You know why? Because my boys, the buds in blue, finally got it done. Behind the net. you describe your level of determination to ensure a different outcome this time around yeah i mean it's uh you know you get thrown so much in these series and you know, there's so many ups and downs and it's just a roller coaster so just trying to stay even keeled and you know just enjoy the moment stay present and uh you know i'm just so proud of every guy in this locker room just battling our way and like i said i mean this is a small step into where we're trying to go but you know, obviously this is the big one for us right and now that you're over it what do you believe this team is capable of going forward well, I don't think I need to tell you that. I mean, obviously, we have the belief in our room, but, you know, it's uh, we're still a long way from where we want to go. So, you know, we just got to stay in the moment here, get ready for this next round. Awesome. Congrats. Thank you. We want Florida! We want Florida! We want Florida! That was the scenes outside Emily Arena after the Leafs won in overtime, Smithy, 2-1, to break that 19-year drought of not making it past the first round, who you heard there just then, was uh, superstar forward 
Austin Matthews talking to Sportsnet. The chance of We Want Florida, well, right now the watch is on because uh, Florida are facing Boston in Game 7. We're at first intermission, and right now the Panthers are leading 1-0. There's a lot of history there between uh, Boston and Toronto, a lot of um, history against uh, Toronto, that's for sure. So it would be interesting to see the Bruins being on the other side of things and just absolutely blowing it. But we, I don't want to get ahead of myself, um, and I don't want to kick Sam Hewitt when he's down. But that may happen tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. We look forward to that in-house battle over the next, um, it'll be over the next uh, eight or nine days anyway. Um, so, we, yeah, we'll look forward to that. And we'll take a renewed look and a renewed interest in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, it's Monday and it's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Playing for a $100 TAB bonus bet because Smithy knocked out one hell of a hat-trick ball on Friday, didn't you, mate? Yeah, I was uh, pretty pleased with what happened on uh, Friday, so I'm looking forward to this. I've been, uh, I won't say I've been reading uh, Burning the Midnight Oil reading books over the weekend, but uh, here's the thing. Uh, I'm up for it. I'm up for it today. No doubt about it. Oh, I do like an Ian Smith with a bit of air of confidence about him. We'll see how our listeners go, because first at the crease, we're going to uh, one of my, if not the most favourite part of New Zealand. For me, it's Queenstown, and it's Todd. Come in, mate. How you doing? We're good, Todd. Um, how's the weather down there? All right? Uh, you know, north, uh, All right. Looks like the north are going to cop it. You guys Okay. And yeah, nice and sunny and still, can't complain. <laughs> okay, that's good. We need a, a dry track at Rickerton, which is only eight hours up the road from you, but it's uh, closer than we are here, so <laughs> we need that. What are the what are the what are the subjects um, for uh, this morning, please? If we can uh, give Todd something to think about. All right, these are the categories to choose from today, mate. We've got Major League Baseball, basketball, and Super Rugby. Take your pick. Uh, I'll go basketball. All right, good luck. First question, looking to New Zealand, and Jeremy Kendall is leading the Sales NBL in points per game with 25.4. Can you name the team he captains? Oh, God. Um, uh, let's just go with the Franklin Bulls. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, but how about the Franklin Bulls upsetting the Auckland Tour Tata yesterday? Smithy, over to you. Um, look, I've got no idea either. Uh, I'm not sure this is bad, but uh, I'm going to go for the Mountaineers, Taranaki Mountaineers. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Go much, 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 much further south. It's the Southland Sharks. Who? defeated the Bayhawks 97-89 uh, after bouncing back from the 102-86 loss to the Canterbury Rams. So not too bad there from the Sharks. Uh, tough season last year. But on to the second question, Todd. The NBA, NBA Conference playoffs are into the second round. Devin Booker from the Phoenix Suns shares the lead for points per game with 35.5. Can you name the other player? Uh, is that including today's games? Let's not include today's games. Uh, I'll say Jimmy Butler. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that would have been your answer too, Smithy. 
Yeah, I've been following the Heat actually, and I thought that was a terrific performance for them. Um, so, yeah, Jimmy Butler's been big. He's been really, really big this year. All right, last question for you, Todd. $100 TAB bonus bet up for grabs here. It's yours for the taking, potentially. The sales NBL is four rounds down, and only one team remains unbeaten. Can you name that team? Let's just go with, I'll use the same answer as before, Franklin. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, oh Smithy. I know what Smithy, has this, I think there's a stumping chance here. I, I think it's us. I think it's the Otago Nuggets. I'm, in fact, I'm absolutely 100% sure it's the Otago Nuggets, surely. Yeah, unlucky, Todd. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Well done, Smithy. Yes, the Otago Nuggets, 4-0. How about those Nuggets? Sorry, Todd. Yeah, knew it as soon as I said it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Todd, well, be worth 150 right. bucks tomorrow, mate. So uh, we look forward to enjoy the sunshine down there in Queenstown for the day. Don't uh, get too down on it. Um, it uh, was the Otago Nuggets, yeah, so you could have chosen... And the Sharks, I've just been watching the, the replay of the Sharks game against the Hawks. Uh, they were down a long way for most of that game, the Southman Sharks. So uh, that was a hell of a comeback for them in the fourth quarter. Uh, what a performance. So uh, NBA action, of course, uh, is really starting to heat up with the playoffs going um, into uh, this very serious stage of it now. Um, and uh, some interesting matchups overall for sure. So, uh, yep, 150 bucks tomorrow. 150 bucks tomorrow for Stump Smithy. And uh, courtesy of uh, those vouchers um, from the TAB. It is uh, coming up to 11.41. 11.46, and uh, there was a lot of pressure going on to the Phoenix uh, the other night, wasn't there? And uh, they came up trumps, and uh, they simply had to. It uh, was a really good performance. Uh, we thought they had been tracking in exactly the wrong direction since uh, Ufuk uh, Talay announced the fact that he was going. Um, and they sort of lost, the, they lost their mojo. They lost their momentum but just at the right time they got it back Yansa slipping in David Ball he couldn't beat Kurto initially but on the second attempt their leading goal scorer Oscar Zavada number 15 for the campaign and Wellington with a priceless early lead at Campbelltown Yes, well, uh, interestingly enough, that was his 15th, uh, as the commentator said. He's now only one behind Jeremy Brocky with 16 and Roy Krishna with 18 as leading goal scorer for uh, the Phoenix uh, in a, a single campaign. So still got that opportunity now that they're in the playoffs. And uh, they were pretty happy about that as uh, our good friend, or not my good friend because he doesn't like Spurs too much, but um, the, Scott Wooten was pretty happy uh, with the way, way it, uh, it, it kind of panned out over the weekend. Yeah, I think the main feeling was uh, obviously we were, we were delighted to, to secure our place in the finals. We knew it was in our hands. We knew we had to get the job done. So uh, I think there's a bit of relief in there as well. Obviously, we, we dragged it out over a, a few more weeks than we would have liked to, but that can happen sometimes. So yeah, I think we just you know the overriding feeling was of one of um, of joy, and, and we're very very pleased to be playing in the finals again.
Was there any worry going into the game about the finals place and that early goal? Did that help calm the nerves of it? Yeah, I thought we made a really good start to the match, and I think that's vital in, in big games that you, you know you start on the front foot. We, I thought we were really aggressive. We, we played forward, um, and I think that helped help the mindset of the players for sure. Um, worry? I'm, I'm not sure it was worry. I think we were confident, um, and. I, you know, we feel like we deserve to be there over the course of the season. Obviously, it come down to a one-off game. And like I said, it was in our hands, so we just had to make sure we had to get the job done and we were confident about that. Yeah, Scott Wooten there, and they did get the job done, which is great. So, playoff mode from here on in for them. Um, Stephen Elka, uh, he won the uh, Insperity Invitational in Texas last year. He won it again this morning. He went back-to-back, 51, year, uh, 51 years old now, so he's... Uh, well, still a young boy in terms of the Champions Tour, but he showed them uh, just how classy he was. They put pressure on him down the stretch, particularly Steve Stricker, um, but uh, he was able to withstand it one by four shots. 405,000 US dollars equates to around 656,000 New Zealand dollars uh, out of the $2.7 million purse. So, yep, one by four shots at 15 under, and uh, this was his reaction, Stephen Elka. Stephen, what a win. And you pointed, when you won, you pointed to the sky and to the fans here up here. Your longtime caddy, Sam, Sam Walkman, uh, Workman, passed away earlier this year. He's from Houston. A lot of his family and friends out following you around this week. Uh, what did this win mean to you for Sam? Yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, you, you obviously, see the emotion on 18 there. But uh, I just saw a sea of, of orange today and uh, just reminded me of Sam. I mean, uh, I had my son on the bag. I mean... <laughs> doesn't get any better than that. No, it's tremendous. And then talking to some of your, your supporters here and Sam's family and friends, they watched you on the first tee take a deep breath. Were you feeling something extra on the first tee as you got ready to play today? Uh, no, I've been doing that the last couple of days. Just a, just a, one extra deep breath. That's all I needed just to settle myself. And uh, today I had it great off the tee and had some nice iron shots and just kind of, uh, again, got it done on the back. You know, the, the, the back nine's been nice to me and... Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's great to get another one. And I haven't defended a championship. But that's just I had a whole bunch of reasons today to to try and win this golf tournament, and uh, it worked out. Well, speaking of defending the championship, you are the reigning Charles Schwab Cup champion as well. This is the first win now of the year. It gets you back in that hunt. How important was that? Yeah, it was huge. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about that to be honest. Just to try and get the W and and, and notch up another one. You know, um, I, I know Strix is playing great, and uh, and so is Dave. So yeah, I got a lot of chasing to do, but uh, just just pleased to get another one. Phil, thank you. The par on ten. Uh, you came up way short in the bunker. Yeah. Tough lie there from the rough. How big was that putt at that moment? Yeah, it was huge. It just kind of settled me down. Uh, rolled in a beautiful one there, and then I just had striped it for the next three or four holes, five holes, it was just, um, I just gave myself some good chances. So, you know, that, that's all I could do, just just give myself chances and, and try and win this golf tournament. A lot of things, as you mentioned, between Sam and here in Houston, your your son Ben on the bag. Last year you beat Steve Stricker by four shots, you beat him by four shots today. Last year you shot 31 for 66 the final round, you did the same today. Do you feel like maybe there's some some connection spiritually or something there for you, a special week? Quite possibly. As I said, I, you know, this nine obviously has been great to me. So um, just just the whole week's been amazing, the support from, from everybody and, and especially the the Orange Brigade out there. So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't ask for more. It's been, it's been fantastic. He was good, Stephen Elka. He was cool. He was calm. And, uh, yes, you're right, um, uh, there was probably about 20 to 25 all in uh, Astros, orange Astros shirts.
Um, so uh, they were the family and friends of uh, Sam Workman as caddy um, and uh, dedicated that uh, that win to them and to him, of course, with his son on the bag. Uh, didn't get much more special. You could hear the emotion in the voice. It is uh, coming up to 11.52 here on SENZ, or just about to prime to head over uh, and hand over the reins to Staffy. Rightio, uh, 11.57, we've had uh, a varied show uh, this morning and uh, the highlight of course was uh, watching two New Zealanders perform so brilliantly on the uh, international stage, particularly in the United States. So uh, Mark Stafford uh, joins us now as uh, he no doubt would have uh, been uh, having a cursory glance on those as well, Steph. Um, highlight over the weekend for you, was it um, a big crowd at rugby? Was it? What was it? Oh, it was probably the Crusaders, Chiefs, Smithy, the top two teams, and um, I feel like the right team won, Smithy. Uh, we had crappy weather across the weekend. Gosh, the weather at the Warriors yesterday was ugly, mm. but I was still stoked. I think the report was 21,000 at that event, Smithy. But, um, yeah, the news this morning that um, Scotty McLaughlin's had a win, Stephen Elker's had a win. We, The New Zealand flag's flying internationally, as you say. It, it makes us pretty proud back here. I hope you can see the text machine because Mikey has sent in a message um, to say that um, you tasked him with uh, writing yes. a letter regardless of the result. So he's got it done and he's going to front up for you on Midday Madness. What else is on the show today, mate? Well, the the one I've been looking forward to and working on for a long, long time, Ryan Fox is coming in studio for an hour from one o'clock to take questions. If we've got time, we might take calls, but he's back. When I asked him last week, can it happen? He goes, I'll oh, make the missus is due on Wednesday. And I said, oh, well, just whatever, Monday to Friday, any day. And he goes, oh, I'll do Monday. So uh, that's just brilliant. So he'll come in at one o'clock. Also going to be talking to a guy by the name of Joel Cayford. Um, and he was part of the Auckland Council when they were looking at this waterfront stadium in Auckland back in the day. He's no longer there. But now we've got, heard about Eden Park refurb. Um, this talk of the waterfront stadiums come up again. And I just want to go through his experience last time and what the stumbling blocks were. And are they still there? So that could be an interesting chat. And Brad Walter, senior writer for NRL.com, will be wrapping up the weekend's footy, including the Warriors and the Roosters as well. And I just uh, also, Smithy... Um, on the personal front, I've had a shocking weekend, which I... I will uh, share with the listeners because you got to walk the talk and I tell people they need to talk about stuff. So um, partly for me, but also for them, I think there's a big lesson from what I've been through this weekend, Smithy. So I'll do that straight after the news. OK, Steph, we'll let you get set for that. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll uh, be listening in as well. It's uh, coming up to midday. Uh, my thanks to Robbie this morning, uh, who's come in at short notice and uh, done a sterling job on the phones to Arawa, of course, with uh, the news reading. And to Logan uh, for putting the whole deal together. Enjoyed the interview too with Dylan Boucher. Well done. Um, we'll be back tomorrow at uh, 9 o'clock with much, much more. See you then. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy Staffy coming up next.